This coverage is live and uncensored. So if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. Take Radio episode 204 for Thursday, November 21st, 2013. Our call in number 347 324 3541. Again, that call in number 347 324 3541. We got, of course, it wouldn't be a new episode without a shitload of weird issues going on. Uh, message board didn't want to work. Audio didn't want to work. I don't even know if video is working. I think Suncast got it got it working i'm not 100 percent sure so um let me know at least if you guys got a video feed and if you guys can even hear it if not then we will try and remedy that otherwise we will go through the show and if the video works great if not fuck it it is what it is let's see let's find out if it's working all right Looks like uh, the video feed seems to be working. Let's see. Let's see what we got. I'm getting a communique from Suncast. Type, type, type. Got it. Ah, I see. That's my own fault. All right, let's see. Uh... Mortis is saying that uh, he saw the video feed. All right. Thank you, Dark Helmet. Um, Just a uh, bit of, I guess, returning mishaps. I was messaging with Suncast. He told me I got to kind of start the show a little bit earlier, the video feed, so that we can get things rolling. Uh, That's my own fault. Either way, everything is up and running. I'd like to think. Ah, and he is recording. Thank you, John. Much appreciated. All right, so let's get into this week's show, minus all the mishaps, and get the ball rolling. So, of course, you know, last episode of MTR was on Halloween, and uh, took two weeks off, ran off, got married, got into a whole mess of trouble, left Slick the keys to the kingdom, along with Jay and the rest of the MTR staff site was running smoothly a lot of articles and stuff were posted you guys can check them out i know slick put up something for uh need for speed rivals this week and that's up on the site also the iFi moby review is up and i will be posting a review of thor the dark world so be on the lookout for that probably this weekend hopefully we'll also have a review for the brand new hunger games and a bunch of other stuff as well ben is going to be joining us to discuss mma And we will be probably getting into that around 1130 or so. But a couple of things to get out of the way. First and foremost, 
Uh, first thing was a lot of people messaged me that the site was still pink for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and um, it has since been fixed. Uh, you know, the two weeks off. I'll be 100% honest, it was definitely tough to get back into the swing of things with regards to doing stuff for the site, doing stuff for the show, etc., etc. There was definitely some issues getting reacquainted. But nonetheless, now things things are moving along. It's not at 100%, but I'm sure I will get my bearings back in uh, in another week or so. So hopefully once the Thanksgiving holiday is done, things will be running smoothly. Which brings me to my second thing next week, of course, Thanksgiving being Thursday, we will be doing a show Wednesday night at 11 p.m., but um, a little different than the usual show. We're actually going to do kind of like an MTR gift guide. We're going to get a couple of different people on. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get Kevin Beard from VGN and a couple of other people involved, maybe some of our friends at GFQ, and we're going to go through some of the stuff for the holidays, especially with Black Friday around the corner and two console launches. I know there's going to be a ton of stuff that a lot of people are going to want to discuss, especially um, with the new consoles, all the new games, all the new accessories, so... I'm looking forward to doing that next week. It will be a definite departure from the, um, you know, from the norm next week. Like I said, we're going to get a couple different people on. Uh, maybe Jay will join us. I know Captain Quark is definitely a guarantee. I'll get a couple of fellow podcasters. And like I said, we'll talk about, uh, you know, wrestling gifts, MMA-related gifts, video games, and movies. And of course, there'll be some of the usual stuff as well. But next week's show is going to be uh, a little break from the norm so to speak. Other than that, for those of you that are curious, uh, my wedding went well. It, as you can see, I got a nice little little tan working. It's not completely gone, but um, you know, it'll do the job. Also, came back and had 700 emails of, of shit, but like I said, the guys held it down, and I'm glad they did that. But Let's not beat around the bush, and I got to get back into the swing of things, so let's get the ball rolling with some MMA. I know Ben is going to be calling in, so whenever he's ready, uh, he can call in to join us, because I know he's got a lot to add as well. With that said, let's talk some MMA. So even though I was pretty much out out of the U.S. for two weeks, I did catch up on some MMA, and while Ben will be joining me to discuss the GSP fight, I did want to say that um, we I personally got to watch the Benson uh, the Benson Henderson the Ben Henderson Vitor Belfort fight when I was in Puerto Rico. I actually watched it on Fox Deportes, and. Um, you know, the, the, the first thing I got to say is that the Spanish announced team that handles the MMA events is tremendous. They're really, really good. I, it's Obviously, I don't sit here and watch the MMA in Spanish on the regular, but since they were giving it on Fox Deportes in Puerto Rico, uh, the cool thing was that the announcers not only had a great understanding of the sport, but they had a, a beautiful narrative to really get you into the fights. Don't get me wrong, I love 
Goldberg and and Joe Rogan, but just hearing it in Spanish and and just hearing the guys break down the moves and and really get into it and and not too much side talk, not too much craziness was definitely refreshing. Of course, the bulk of of the card was in English, but the announcing was in Spanish. Now, the one thing that impressed me obviously was Vitor Belfort coming in there and separating, uh, you know, Hendo's head from his body, but. The one thing that got me above all was the the presentation. I think Fox has really stepped their game up in terms of how they showcase MMA. It looked really good. Um, <laughs> ben, we're going to talk about that. Ben is already sounding off in the chat. But I will, I will say that overall, that card was extremely enjoyable, and I was impressed. I mean, Belfort, you know, pretty much took it to Dan Henderson and put him to sleep. And like I said, the 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 Fox Deportes presenta- presentation as a whole was very well done. Oh, I hear I hear Slick in the background, and I see Ben is queued up. What's up, Ben? What's up, man? I see uh, Slick queued you in, so uh, I guess we're good. <laughs> I, well, eh, not too much, man. Everything is good. How's things on your end? Oh, uh, good. Can't complain. Well. Before we get into this pass card, I was talking about the, uh, you know, Belfort and uh, Henderson. What'd you think? Um, it was a good card. Uh, the Belfort and Henderson fight surprised me because I've never seen Dan Henderson get knocked out. So no, sir. That Hi- surprised. History was made. Um, but, yeah, history was made. Um, but uh, overall, the, it, it was a decent card. Um. My only real, real complaint is Vitor Belfort continuing this narrative about his testosterone. Um, and saying that his, his testosterone was like low for the fight, which doesn't matter because what what was your testosterone levels during your training? But it, yeah, outside of that, I mean, we'll see where they go with Vitor Belfort after this. Well, where do where do you think? he should go in the standings because you got to look at it like this. Both guys come in legends, TRT guys, but Vitor Vitor has been on a bit of a tear lately. You know, where do you feel he stands with regards to his placement, either at light heavyweight or at, or at 185? I think at 185, you, you got to give him the, the winner of Anderson Silva, uh, Chris Weidman. Um, I mean, he, he's done everything regardless of the whole testosterone thing and only fighting in Brazil and possibly not ever being able to fight in, in Las Vegas, um, he deserves a title shot. No matter how I feel about his his situation, he deserves a title shot. Three straight wins, three straight head cake knockouts. So, um, I mean, you really – actually, I think it's four straight. But you, you really can't say anything about that. So, I think he deserves a title shot. The thing that – 185, not two. Well, the thing that gets me with him is that you have a guy who he's he's hit this brand new resurgence, and of course the te- the, the the testament can be made that you know TRT has played a role or it hasn't. But I do have to say that he's not fighting tomato cans either. You know, like Luke Rockhold isn't a can, and you know Dan Henderson, even if he's older and on TRT, you're talking about a guy who who, you know, pretty much has dynamite in his right hand, you know? Yeah, he's a legend. Like like I said, like, you can't deny him. Re- regardless of how you feel about how he got them, 
you can't deny these wins. These are legit top ten wins, three straight top ten wins. So I think he deserves a title shot against uh, the winner of Chris Wildman and Silva. Well, let's look at it. Let's play devil's advocate. Say he gets in there with Weidman. Can't you think he will take the belt? No, I I, I don't. Um, I think the only chance he really has is if Anderson Silva comes in there playing because I think Chris Wyman and Anderson Silva are both head and shoulders better fighters than Vitor Belfort. Um, I think Chris Wyman would just take him down and probably tap him. And I think, um, I think Anderson Silva would probably find some way to knock him out again. Well, you know, I, th- I think in Weidman's case, Weidman's chin hasn't been really tested either. So that, yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind true, of a gamble. Man. That's true, but like, it, his, with, the, with the people he, the three people he's knocked out, you got Luke Rocco, who, who for some reason in that fight was in his supposed to be fighting with his hands down. That's how he got kicked in the head. True. You got Michael Bisping, who's notorious for circling towards his opponent's power side. That's how Dan Henderson knocked him out. Right. And that's the same thing that happened with Belfort. And Dan Henderson has a lot of faith in his chin, so he kind of is going to fight in a fashion that his chin is out there. Chris Wyman, I, I don't think, would even play that game. I think Chris Wyman would take him down as soon as possible um, and just not even give him a chance to set up anything like that. Yeah, I think I think Wyman definitely would leverage his wrestling. I think in Vitor's case, the, the interesting thing is going to be what kind of a strategy he's going to implement if he has to face a guy like Weidman, because it's, it's it's like you said, you can't sit there and trade with the guy. The guy has knockout power. And even if Weidman goes to the wrestling, that's not to say Vitor doesn't have a decent submission game either. So it's going to be interesting to see how he, how he develops a strategy for a Chris Weidman. He fought Anderson Silva. He knows more or less what to expect. You know, even if Anderson Silva sits there and he's like, I back, I back, you know, it doesn't really mean anything. If if it's the same Anderson Silva that comes in there and clowns you, with with Weidman, it's more of an intriguing matchup, though. Yeah, it, it, it's a more interesting matchup just because we haven't seen it. I, I I just think that Chris Weidman be able to take him down and down and tap him. I, I just I think his fight with uh, Vitor Belfort, Chris Weidman fight would look a lot like the John Jones Vitor Belfort fight looked minus that armbar. True, I could see that too. I could definitely see that. Well, the one thing I one thing I do got to say in 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 Vitor's case is that he's riding this whole big wave of momentum fighting in Brazil as much as and as suspect as we both know it is, fighting in Brazil just makes the cards look more I don't know, more lively. Cuz dude, when he comes out, he's like a rock star when he comes out, everybody goes crazy. People start chanting. It's it's insane. So it's like I understand why Dana kind of lets him rock over there. But it does look suspect. Yeah, I mean, it, outside of the whole steroid thing, there is a reason he's there because he, I mean, this dude in Brazil is huge. Like, he was on the cover of GQ in Brazil. Like, he, he's absolutely huge in Brazil. So there's a reason he's there. But, um, I mean, you just it, it's suspect. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of reasons he's there, clearly. He can't fight in the U.S. in a lot of places because of his steroids. That he's been called steroids, I think, twice. Yep. And now he needs CRT. And you know, Brazil. It's convenient to put him in Brazil because he's going to sell. He's going to sell over there because he's a big deal. Yep. 
that he is he is you know it's like, it's like I'm big in Japan. He's you know he's the man over there. Well, let's talk about UFC 167, which had a lot going for it. Of course, as usual, we'll pluck a couple of fights out of there. I want to talk about Sergio Pettis' debut. Uh, he looked really good in there. I think he definitely had some jitters coming into the cage, but he looked he looked he looked impressive, man. He had two solid rounds. Uh, definitely, Will Camposano stepped his game up in the third round, but Sergio Pettis looked good. Yeah, he he looked good. I mean, pe- people people only remember Will Camposano from his uh his stint in his stint in WEC and UFC. But Will Camposano is a flyweight, and I didn't understand why this fight was at one thirty five. Maybe it's because it was made so quickly. Because I think Will Camposano was an injury placement. But uh, Will Camposano has been has like six straight wins in flyweight uh, before coming back to the UFC this time. So he's a, he's a legit fighter, and um, I think Sergio looked good. Um, I think he needs to work on some things, but. He looked good. I mean, um, he looks like he's going to be trouble in a couple of years for somebody at at one thirty five or one twenty five. Yeah, I was I was extremely impressed. I'm like I'm like I can I could see the nervousness in him going into that fight mm-hmm. because think about it. You know, you're coming into the big dance. Your brother's there. He's the champion. So I kind of let certain things slide, but he he adjusted really good that first round. You could tell he was kind of working out the kinks. Second round, those guys came out swinging. Now he got he had that nice takedown. Yeah. Um, Camposano was trying to work butterfly guard, and and Pettis was trying to get that that Darce choke in. It was good, man. He he really looked like at, he he looked at home in there. Yeah, and and he's really young. I mean, the dude is like uh, he might not even be twenty yet, nineteen maybe. I, yeah, I think he's I mean, nineteen going or, or twenty. Yeah, he's really young. He has a lot of time to learn, and I, I think the sky's the limit. I think at some point he might even be better than his brother. I think the sky's the limit. Well, one guy who's kind of, I think Dana White is really hoping to turn this guy into a star. Uh, Edwin Figueroa and Ed, and Eric Perez went at it. You know, one thirty five. Eric Perez took the fight via unanimous decision. I just have this nagging suspicion that Dana White is is secretly hoping this guy mainstream so he can push him because he seems marketable. Yeah, I mean they they want him, they want him they want to do a fight card in Mexico. Yep, they want him fighting for a bantamweight championship in Mexico. They're going to give him matchups to get him to a bantamweight title fight in Mexico. He might not deserve this title fight, but they want him to be there because they want a, a title fight in Mexico like him and Cain Velasquez. They they want that in Mexico. Um, he didn't look bad in the fight. I, I think um, I think he could have looked better because I don't think Edwin Figueroa is that good. Um, Damn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, Edward Figueroa has never, like, impressed me. Um, but uh, I think he could have looked better. But, I mean, I give him some credit because I think in the second round, he, he caught Edward Figueroa with a pretty big punch that probably would have knocked out a lot of guys. Right. And Edward Figueroa didn't knock him out. So um, I give him credit for that. Um, but, I mean, there's things he got he to gotta improve on. Um, I don't think he's, you know, up an echelon of 135. I think he's a good mid-card fighter. But I think they're going to push him towards a title shot as quickly as possible. Well, here's here's something here's something, you know, is it is it wrong of me to say that he is Mexican Conor McGregor? Like they're trying to push him, Conor McGregor as these new guys that are, you know, brash, cocky, marketable. But mm-hmm. the problem with it is that they're also guys that haven't mastered the art of being in the sport as athletes. 
Like, Conor McGregor stays apologizing for something, always offending somebody. Like, oops, shouldn't have said that. Yeah, Conor McGregor's a bit of an asshole. <laughs> um, you think? Right? It, it almost feels that way. Like, like Perez, it, McGregor. It almost feels that way. I think. Oh, good. No, no, no. That's I what think I was McGregor's saying. a way better fighter than uh, Perez. I think McGregor's legit um, in 145. I, I don't know about a title implications or nothing like that because I think you get taken down by a lot of guys but I think McGregor's a really good fighter I think Edwin Figueroa is more of a mid-card fighter that they're pushing harder I think Conor McGregor kind of can push himself kind of right by just being good um I mean if he stopped talking as much and saying dumb shit on Twitter <laughs> but uh I mean yeah I, I can see what you're saying though they, they these two international kind of guys that they're, they're trying to push yep to be these two stars, I mean, hell, they they would love for Conor McGregor to get to a title shot and they do that shit in Ireland. They oh, would love that. You know it. Well, before so. b- before I talk about Donald Cerrone just being an animal as usual, that mm-hmm. the the snooze fest of that card was that Ed Herman Tallis latest fight. Holy shit! <laughs> Tallis latest comes back and I'm like. I'm like, dude, you just you're just regular. He is he is like default creative fighter. That is how Thomas latest fight. I mean, <laughs> that's how he he always has fought that way. Um, I I'm not even gonna lie, I didn't pay like once <laughs> exactly I, when I realized who was fighting in that fight. I I was at the Buffalo Wild Wings with some friends. That's when we were ordering food, and there was a college football game on. I mean, there was other things that were far more interesting going on. Seriously. So, I mean, every couple of seconds I look and I'm like, oh, this shit's boring. And go back to what I was doing. Well, of course, everything got redeemed with that beautiful triangle choke by Donald Cerrone uh, in the second round. It was it was very, very well done. Uh, Donald Cerrone continues to impress at 155, man. Yeah, um, I'm I'm really surprised at his revelation that he needs to go down to 145 because I'm because according to him he's going to 145 like as soon as yep the, the, the next very next fight I'm surprised at that I, I I'd like to see him down there just to see because he's a really lean guy now like I, I want to know like how his body's gonna react to that is he gonna be as fast or as powerful but I was actually really surprised at how easily he Evan Dunham's ass yep. um. That fight was not close at any point. Not at all. Um, I, I was really, really surprised by that. It looked Evan like Dunham he wasn't fighting a veteran. Yeah, Evan Dunham, like, two years ago before Memo Gallar knocked him out, was, like, on the the path to being a title contender. Yes, like, he I remember was. talking to people around the time that he fought uh, Memo Gallard, and people were like, oh, he's going to tap Memo Gallard in a couple seconds, and then got knocked out in the first round, and he just hasn't been the same since, so... I was actually really surprised at that, but um, Dom Cerrone, I mean, dude can fight. Like, I, I that no one's ever questioned that. I just want to, I want to see what he looks like at one forty-five. Dude is a dude is a problem, man. Standing on the ground, it's just like it, it bothers me because it's a he's a guy that is always so close. You know what I mean? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. You know, he's that kind of a dude. He's always so close. And then for some reason it just gets derailed either either he gets a couple of funky losses or he gets in a, in a title contention fight and loses. It's just like, ah. Oh. He he's he's at that level right before you get to the the elite. Yep. Like he 
he's right at that level. And and, and, and on any even night, he can probably beat some of these guys. Yep. But the very elite, elite, elite fighters, he's not going to beat. But anyone outside of the top five, he's going to make your night miserable. Well. Unless you're Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz. Yeah, well, that's that's a separate issue. And I want to talk about the <laughs> Diaz brothers, too, but that's a, we'll get into that later on. How about uh, yeah. Tyron Woodley, Muhammad Ali knocking out Josh Koscheck? That was brutal. Um, that was disgusting. Surprising. Um, I mean, I, I kind of had a feeling Tyron Woodley would win. I did not think he would separate Josh Koscheck from his consciousness like that. Um, hell, he could have knocked him out in the first couple of minutes. I mean, it, like it was almost as if like every single punch he threw was hitting him square upside his head. Yep. Um, and they were hard, like really, really hard. Um, and also it was kind of weird hearing Joe Rogan, like repeatedly talk about how muscular he was. I, that was awkward. Yeah. A little <laughs> bit, a little, a little, a little bit. I'm like, I'm like, Joe, like guy, right, man, like, 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 did you, did you toke up before the fight? Cause you're just yammering on about nonsense. Like, yo, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. But, um, it, it that was that was that was really really good on Tyron Willis' part. It also speaks to the fact that Jake Shields is the ultimate human nullifier <laughs> and would make you look terrible. <laughs> like, this is like, very true. Nothing like, um, but um, I'm I'm wondering what Josh Kaschek is planning on doing after this because this is two really really brutal knockouts. Yep. Um, back to back, and. Uh, he probably doesn't need fighting anymore. From what I understand, he 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 owns his own gym now. You know, he he's made his money. He probably doesn't need fighting anymore. So I'm I'm interested to see if he even keeps fighting. Well, you know what it is with Josh Koscheck. It's funny because the two knockouts he suffered haven't been flash KOs. It's you know I'm gonna. It's pretty much reaping your soul. It's pretty much you know like like. Like in the in Chronicles of Riddick, when when the dude would take people's souls, that's pretty much what happens to Josh Koscheck. Somebody just knocks the soul right out of his body. Yeah, he, he's he's been beaten up pretty badly in the last few fights. So I'm, I'm like like I said, I'm interested to see what his plans are. Yeah, Dana White after, was like, after, oh, go ahead. Oh, that was it. No, what I was saying was Dana White's like, yeah, he kind of sent me a text, kind of talking about retirement and you know I don't get into that stuff but you know I think Josh Koscheck still has has a lot to offer the sport and I'm like listen when Robbie Lawler gets a resurgence and pretty much beats you to death and then T Wood comes out of nowhere and kills you dead it's like you gotta you gotta reevaluate that's not to say that Josh Koscheck is a can on the contrary Josh Koscheck is a, is a is a is one of the guys that I have to say has evolved the most as a fighter. You know what I mean? Remember when he first came into the UFC, it was all wrestling. And then yeah. he started stepping up his striking, he started putting it all together, and he became we watched him grow up in front of us and become a complete fighter. So, he you know, he suffered these two horrible losses. If he comes back and he eats a third knockout loss, I I got to say that he should do the right thing and just just chill, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, I uh, Dana White talking about he doesn't get into people's retirement talks. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit. But, <laughs> but I mean, I, I I agree with you. Like, because he wasn't getting knocked out like this when he was younger, right? And it probably has to do with you know having fought for the last almost decade and getting punched in the head. 
which isn't good for your health, surprisingly. So, um, <laughs> he probably, you know, he, he he probably should be winding down his career. Even if he didn't get knocked out this way, he probably should be on the downturn of his career. And there's nothing wrong with that. A dude's like 36 or 37 years old. Like, he, he's near 40. Um, I think it, it might be time to hang it up. And, and in my opinion, in a sport like MMA, as soon as you think about it's time to um, hang it up, you it's got it. time for you to hang it up. Yep. Yeah. Unless unless you're you know unless you're Randy Couture and you go in Ross Algul's Lazarus pit and you just come out and kill dudes on the regular, he's the only exception. <laughs> yeah, I mean, outside of outside of the whole Randy Couture still fighting at like fifty ish, like not many dudes can do that. Nope. So you know, as soon as you get to the level where like you know what I think I, I need to step away, it might be time to go ahead and take your own advice, step away. Well, let's talk about, speaking of Robbie Lawler, we were talking about him. Let's talk about him taking Rory McDonald's lunch money in that fight. Like, Robbie Lawler's just, Robbie Lawler's in, in, in such a frame of mind right now. He is in full freight train mode. There's every duty he fights, he's either trying to kill him or just make him look completely amateur. Um... See, there's a couple things about this fight because Robbie Lawler fought a really good fight, and this is the biggest win I think of Robbie Lawler's career. Um, Roy McDonald um, gave away the first round doing nothing. Yep. Um, because nothing really happened in that first round except Robbie Lawler leg kicking. Um, I, I don't know what's happened to Roy McDonald these last couple of fights since the BJ Penn fight because he he didn't do anything in the Jake Ellenberger fight. Um, I think BJ Penn just broke I think BJ Penn I, broke I him psychologically. I mean, I don't know. Like it's just, it's weird to me because he his his technique when his striking looks really really good, but when you sit and like really pay attention, he doesn't throw combinations ever. Like he'll throw a jab and then run away from you. And like I, I don't understand what 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 it TriStar they're telling him to do because his game plan seemed to be in this fight. In the first round, jab and move away while he kicks you in the leg. In the second round, take him down. And in the third round, we think you won the first and two second round, so we're not going to do anything except have Robbie Lawler chase you around and try to bash your skull in. Like, I, I don't understand what he was, his game plan was. That's not to take anything from Robbie Lawler because he won that third round eventually. In, in my books, that was a 10-8 round. He beat the hell out of him. Oh, well, he beat him like nobody's business. Because at the very end of the round, uh, Roy McDonald did come back at the end of the round, but this seems to be something that Roy McDonald does. This is how he lost to Carlos Condit. Yep. Like the third round, it, it, he's not even tired. He just stops fighting because like, he's clearly not tired. Nope. It, it's, it's just weird to watch. Well, you know what's funny? I like I like how the judges, you know, they were like split decision, and I'm like, here we fucking go. It's like no, not split. Like it was Robbie Lawler whooping his ass and him running. It's like Kenny Florian Light was running for his life. Like, I didn't <laughs> yeah, understand like, it. I, I, yeah, I, I didn't. I, when I heard split decision, I'm like, I, I know they ain't giving him the third round. Like, okay, you give him the first two rounds. I, I, I can see, because not a lot happened in the first round, so I can kind of see, like, maybe you give him the first round. But if if I had seen any of them scorecards give him the third round, that person, well, I mean, he just need to be fired anyway. <laughs> I would have just given him the second because he had half guard and he was putting in some work with the elbows in the second. That's it, and that's a stretch. 
Yeah, I would give him the second round. Um, clear, I think I think it was pretty clear. Maybe, maybe not super clear. I got to watch the fight probably for a third time. But I, I think I think he he pretty much won the second round pretty pretty well. But the third round, there was no question who won that round. Yep. So, of course, Rashad Chael, holy shit! <laughs> first, first of all, Rashad just came out. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, damn! It feels like I, like it's been like five years since I've seen Rashad Evans fight, and he just came in there on on on. I'm gonna make a statement on poor Chael Sonnen's face. I, I think it was that because I think Rashad would be motivated Chael Sonnen. But it also seemed like me like Chell had no desire to be there whatsoever. Um, um, I mean, I think Rashad Evans is a far better fighter than Chell's on it. But it just seemed like, I mean, Chell knew what his next fight is. Like, he knows for a fact. It didn't matter if he won or lost this fight. He was going to coach Tough Brazil, what, three? Yep, against uh, Vanderlei. So, they need to give that here, dude. Fight. They need to give that here. Under any circumstances. <laughs> They need to give that here. It'll probably end up on Fox Sports, uh, one of the Fox Sports channels. Oh, they got to give that but, shit, dude. Come on. Those dudes are going to kill each other. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It just seemed like Chell didn't want to fight. Yeah. Like, it, it just seemed that way. Um, Rashad looked good. Rashad did what he was supposed to do. Um, uh, if, if the rumors of Rashad fighting Daniel Cormier next are true, I was going to ask you that. That'll be a interesting fight. Um, We've talked about that him in DC. Yeah, I, I think I think that would be a really good fight, especially if the winner gets John Jones. Um, because I don't think Glover Teixeira has anything for John Jones. No, whenever that fight actually occurs. So, um, especially if the winner gets John Jones or gets Gustafson, and then that winner gets John Jones, um, I think. Um, those will be some good fights. So, um, yeah, I mean, Rashad did what he was supposed to do. Yeah, I somebody somebody said to me they were like, "Yo, I think Chael took a dive on that fight." I'm like, I'm like, let's not get stupid now. <laughs> you know, it's like I won't say he took a dive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say he took a dive, but am I? Can I say that he didn't give it a hundred and ten percent like when he fought Anderson? Yes. Yeah. That. That's all I mean. Like I, I ain't saying this man is out there trying to get brain damage. Thank like, you. You you can't take guys in MMA. Like you can't just have these dudes with these little bitty gloves punch you upside the head. Yep. Like I think he's trying to win, just not very hard. Exactly. Exactly. Like dude says it. He's like, yo, man, I don't know. I think Chael took a dive because he knew that Van- that Wendy fight is is the payoff. And I'm like, listen, he, he you know Chael admitted like, yo, Rashad was just a better dude than me this time around. That's all it is. It's it's not it's not a bad thing, and it's funny because everybody's like, oh, you know, I don't understand how Chael's in the in the in the category for UFC cover athlete, you know, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, listen, Chael is thank you. Chael does what Chael does, which is he gets people talking. That's his job. Whether whether he wins titles or he doesn't win titles or he says that CM Punk's gonna gonna fight MMA, whatever he says, people take that soundbite and use it. In turn, getting the UFC more exposure. Is it right? Is it wrong? Doesn't matter. Chael does his job. Like him and Rashad, dude. That that, that, that like Chael's like yo, they're not even hyping this fight. 
And I said to myself, because you're not hyping this fight. You know what I mean? <laughs> nobody gives a fuck about this fight because you're not making it anything. You guys are like, oh, we work together and we're going to go in there and, you know, may the best man win and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares about that. Plus, Chandler kind of conceded his loss like yep. a long time ago. Like he said, along the lines of like, he has no idea how he's going to be with Shad Evans. Like, he kind of like just, like he conceded this a long time ago. So, I mean, I don't. It, it was a fight. Like, it, they needed the co-main event. These are two big names. That's it. That's you all know. it was. It was a payday. That, that, was, that was the whole thing. That was it. It was a payday. It was like, yo, we're going to go out there and we're going to fight. And, you know, we're both going to make some money. And when I get into the paydays, that that's going to be exactly that. And I'll get into that afterwards. But before we get into that, let's talk about this title fight. And first and foremost, I've watched this fight four times. Two times I watched it, and I said, yeah, I could see where people were saying Hendricks got it. Two other times I watched it, I'm like, I could see how GSP kept it. And what me and you were talking about on Facebook chat before we came on air, you know, a couple a couple days ago, is exactly what I said. If you want the belt, you gotta kill the champion. That's it. On some Highlander shit. You gotta beat the dude. It's not, you give it to the judges, they're gonna root in favor of the champion. It happens at least 90% of the time. Am I wrong? Unfortunately, you're not. There you um, go. Here's my, here's my thoughts on the fight. First of all, this fight was, in my opinion, not as close. Because uh, I was talking to my friends, and um, they were saying, oh, he got ripped off. Like Some of my friends still think Alexander Gustafson got ripped off. That fight was close. Yep. To me, this fight was uh I thought Johnny Hendricks won four rounds. I thought he won the first four rounds of this fight. Right. Um, I can see how you gave him the first, uh, someone would give him GSP the first round. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, the first round and maybe the third. But I, um, but the fifth round was the one that GSP definitely won. To me, Johnny Hendricks won all four rounds. I thought he outstruck GSP. I thought he outgrappled GSP. Um, and I thought he, he overall just beat GSP, beat GSP up. I know damage isn't really a pre, um, is not necessarily, um, in the, uh, unified rules or something you should be looking for. But in my opinion, like, he, he did the most damage. He, to me, he just clearly won this fight. Like, I, I just, when I heard those scorecards, I, I was really confused. I'm like, how is this even a split decision? Like, you it, it, it confused me. I, okay. No, no, no. I, I definitely understand what you're saying. That's why, you know, Mortis, Mortis says in the chat, he goes, um, you know, if you look at fight metrics, Hendricks won it by one punch. That fight was a total toss-up. Now, that's why I said I watched it four times on two different occasions. It went the way I figured. I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, I can see where GSP took it. But see, the problem is that people also look at it from a subjective standpoint, which is dudes that don't like GSP are going to be like, yo, GSP... You know, Hendricks got robbed, and dudes that 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 you know that like fucking GSP are gonna be like, nah, man, GSP did damage me. I both guys are tremendous athlete, you know, both athletes. But in GSP's case, it's like, yo, you look at his face, it's like, yo, dude, you got bludgeoned repeatedly, like you escaped with your life. 
That's not to say that he could have won or he or he did win. I'm just saying, like, when in the grand scheme of things, when you go, was that dude in a fight? It's like that dude fought for his life. Period. See, and, and this is why, and that's a good point by Mortis, but this is some a problem I have with fight metric occasionally. Fight metric, though it it's helpful in deciding a fight, you also have to see the fight. Like yep. fight metric, just doing it off straight numbers. If you watch that fight, there were clear moments where Johnny Hendricks was just big brothering GSP. There was a moment, and I want to say round, I want to say round four, where GSP goes for a Kimura against the cage. Johnny Hendricks just moves his arm and then twists GSP's arm back around. Yep. And GSP like walks away and Johnny Hendricks flexes at him. And that was probably the moment in the fight where I was like, yeah, GSP has lost his fight. Johnny Hendricks, to me, beat GSP in every aspect of the fight except in the fifth round. And um, I can see where some people would think there were moments where GSP, I mean, GSP did a decent job, but I just think when Johnny Hendricks hit GSP, it was clear. Yep. It was evident. Like, GSP was in moved across the cage when he was getting hit. I just, I just didn't see the same amount of damage being done from GSP point. Tell me you've seen the video clip that's been making the, uh, been making the rounds where Johnny Hendricks throws an uppercut at GSP and uppercuts himself in the face. <laughs> I have not seen that. I did see the gift where people were claiming that he tapped in round one, but uh, I did not see that. Dude, he uppercut. He threw an uppercut at GSP that had that connected, it would have been over. Like it was, it was the equivalent of Mike Tyson punch out uppercut, and he, you know, he he glanced GSP's face and le- and legitimately uppercut himself. He it was just like he was coming up, and GSP moved slightly to the side, and the dude uppercutted himself full strength. I was like, holy shit! And it was, it's like that's the kind of craziness that was going on in this fight. Like Johnny Hendricks was trying was his was trying his hardest. To kill GSP. Trying, dude. But again, it's a testament to, to the type of fighter GSP is. Very methodical. Very smart. Mm-hmm. And, and and he fought a smart fight. And GSP knew. He's like, yo, if I try to stay too close and trade with this dude, I'm going to sleep. Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from GSP. GSP nope. fought a very, very, very smart, um, savvy fight. He fought the fight he had to fight against Johnny Hendricks. Um... He just, he, I just think he lost. Um, I mean, that, that's that's the only thing with me. Like, I think he fought the fight he, he, he needed to fight. You, he could not stand in front of Johnny Hendricks. Stand nope. in front of Johnny Hendricks, you're going to get frozen in place with a punch. Yep. You're going to be falling backwards in your fighter stance, not even knowing what's happening to you. Well, that's just going to happen to you. So, well, here's he what he had to fight. Go ahead. But, no, that was it. Well, looking at it, looking at it from what you're saying, it's like, here's a, and, and this is the, the, the amusing thing that people don't see. It's like, like the John Jones fight. The John Jones fight, super close, and the money is in the rematch. Same thing with this fight. The money is in the rematch. Doesn't matter. What, even if Hendricks would have won, GSP would have got an automatic rematch. You know this. Oh, of course. So it's like it's like the money's in the rematch. All this does for Hendricks is like I gotta go in there and kill this dude. 
Like, I can't even leave it to the judges. I have to kill him. It's either I got to choke him out or tap him out or, or I, I got to separate him from his consciousness. I got to hit him so hard that he ends up on the mothership he's scared of. Like, that, like that's how serious it is. And, and people think I'm crazy, but it's just like, listen, title fights, when they go to the judges, will benefit the champions because from a monetary standpoint, that's where the money is. If yeah, f- I mean, it was the same thing in John Jones' fight. Like, even if John Jones had lost that yep. fight because it was such a close fight, he would have gotten an instant rematch. Bingo. The only reason they're not doing a rematch is because, basically, um, I don't know why they're not doing an instant rematch. Well, because the challenger didn't win. Um, and it wasn't as close as this fight. So, I mean, that that's it. I mean, they're going to be, there's going to be a rematch. Um... So I mean I know I know people are upset that GSP won. I wasn't necessarily upset, and what happens after the fight, which I'm sure we'll talk about, about um, took away a little bit from it. But um, I just think GSP clearly won this fight. Like I, I think it's unfair. I mean not GSP, Johnny Hendricks clearly won this fight, and I think it's kind of unfair that he now has to do it again. <laughs> right. So, I I agree. I agree with that statement. But again, title fights. You, by at this point, let's not kid ourselves. It's not your first rodeo. You know that once you get into round three and you're kind of like, eh, you know, like the dude isn't like you're not decisively fucking the dude up. You you got to take him out. You have to. When GSP is like, what round is it? I'm like, he don't even know where the fuck he is. You know, it's like, it's, <laughs> you, you know, he's like, he's like, what round is it? Uh, round five, George. Okay. And he goes out there, and I'm just like, yo, Johnny Hendricks needs to go in for the kill and take this dude. But GSP, again, testament to how smart he is. Guy's a smart dude. He he knew he wasn't in this fight in the fifth round. But that didn't mean that he wasn't going to try and, and keep himself from, from being knocked into next week, you know? Yeah. I mean, GSP did what he was supposed to do. I mean, he, he I mean, well... Honestly, I, I don't think he was aware it was round five. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did what he was supposed to do, um, and he fought a decent fight. That I don't want to take anything away from him. I just, I just hope if they do a rematch, which it kind of seems like they are going to definitely do one now. Yep. Um, whoever wins finishes the fight. That's it. GSP. Let, let me tell you something. GSP is he's like. That that one, he's like when you play uh, Soul Calibur on Xbox or in the arcades, where every time you fight the final boss, he uses a different fighting style, and he changes. GSP's going to go in there, and he knows, like, fuck, I can't go in there and stand him and, and, and fight this dude. Like, I need to go in there, use my Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, use my, you know, my MMA wrestling that everybody speaks so highly of. I can't stand and trade with this dude. And that's what's going to happen. GSP's going to go home. Go to the lab, you know, maybe maybe sleep with a couple of girls, you know, hopefully not knock them up, and um, watch some tape, and then come back, and, and, and then we're going to see. That's what happens every time. You know that. Every time he gets tested, he comes back, and he, and he murders these dudes. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be interested to see how this fight plays yep. out. Because I, I, think, I think one of the big things I took away from this fight was a lot of times GSP not only has a mental advantage over these guys, but he has a physical advantage. He's yep. faster than them, or he, he might be stronger than them. Yep. He wasn't 
stronger than Johnny Hendricks no, at all. He was not. And, uh, he might have been a little bit faster, but it wasn't as fast as he normally is more than people. So I think I, I think this, the second fight will look. I don't think I don't think it will look exactly like this. But I think whoever whoever wins the second fight, it will be decisive. Like I don't I don't know if GSP will finish him if they do a second fight and he wins. But I think it will be far more decisive. Like there will be no discussion on who won it. I think GSP will probably go for the tap because he's been he's been trying to break out more submissions, and it will be a big feather yeah, I mean, in his that'll cap. Probably be the way to go. <laughs> that'll probably be the way to go. I mean, because GSP hasn't knocked anybody else since like Jay Heron. Well, yep. no, he knocked out. Matt Hughes, I think the second time they fought. Didn't he do the armbar on Matt Hughes? He armbarred him once, and he knocked him out. Yeah, he he armbarred him the second time. No, yeah, the second time they fought, he armbarred him. And the third time they fought, he uh, elbowed him to death. And he killed Matt Sarah dead, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) He hasn't couldn't see anybody since then. So, you know, um, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I don't know when the next fight will be, but we'll, we'll, we will see. Well, you know what I like? I like the fact that, you know, he's like, hey, you know, I'm going to take a break. Uh, you know, I've been uh, just, I got personal business going on. And everybody's like, yo, what the fuck, man? You can't take it. You do realize that he has been beaten within an inch of his life the last two guys he's fought. Like, 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 yeah. like people kill me with that. And, and, and that was why when you said, hey, Rich, you know, I want to come on and talk about it. I wanted to talk about that aspect because I understand, you know, you guys, people, we love to watch these guys. They go in there, they entertain, they fight. But it's just like when I'm hearing you on on camera ask what round is it, you need a fucking break. Period. Yeah, that, like that, that, that was my big thing in my article. Um, yep. Or my write-up this is he doesn't owe the UFC anything. Well, nope. let me say this. He owes the UFC what he's given them. Um, right. He's been champion like half a decade, almost a decade now. He's been champion for a long time. He's fought the best guys in the world back to back to back to back to back to back, nonstop, and done nothing but dominate. Right. He's made the UFC a lot of money. Yep. In the time that he's been part of the UFC, the UFC has grown tremendously, and he is part of that. Whatever debt he owed the UFC for putting him on, so to speak, he's paid back. Um, the rhetoric that he still owe, he owes anybody anything nope. is ridiculous, especially when this dude is at the press conference looking like he's been hit with, like, bricks. Um, he, he's, he's, he clearly, even when Joe Rogan asked him, he wasn't comfortable doing anything because he wasn't completely clear, clear with his senses. He said, I've been hit in the head a bunch of times. I don't remember most of the fight. There you go. That's a sign of something. Like, GSP has done a good job of not being hit a lot, but in fights, we don't know what his practices or training has looked like. We don't we don't know how often he gets hit in training. Right. I mean, that, that's where a lot of damage happens to these fighters is in training. Um, so we don't know what, what what's happening in training to him, and we don't know how badly he's been hurt in some of these fights when he's been hit, but we can't tell. My whole point was, we don't want the fighters in MMA to end up like a lot of fighters in boxing. I agree. Far past their primes. Yep. Fighting to a point where it it tarnishes their legacy. Roy Jones Jr. fought to a point that it tarnishes his legacy. Um, Muhammad Ali fought. I mean, a lot of people 
don't know about Muhammad Ali's like last six or seven years of fighting, but Parkinson's was already setting in during that time. We don't want our fighters in MMA to get to that point. Nope. And when you hear Dana White say things like that, and then you have GSP at the press conference saying, I can't sleep, I'm depressed, um, yep. all that, that's signs of like early onset dementia. Now, later, I mean, later on, uh, in the next few days later, he seemed to come uh, pull back from some of them statements. But at the time when I read that and, and when I read that and saw that press conference, I found it really insensitive on Dana's part. I agree. Regardless if you didn't know what the issue was that he was dealing with, when a fighter says that, you need to you need to think about that because you, we're dealing with people's brains. Even I agree. punching the head for a living is not And we're dealing with people's brains. So if he starts saying, like, I'm feeling depressed, I can't sleep, I don't remember long stretches of, of fights and things like that. You need to take a step back as the promoter and be like, maybe, maybe I should hold you out yep. because we don't want, we don't want just like he did Chuck Liddell. Chuck Liddell was heading to that point. Well, I'm, what I'm saying about Muhammad Ali, Chuck Liddell was getting knocked out all the time, and Dana made him retire. Yep, that's what you should do to these fighters at the point where it's becoming clear that their cognitive senses are wearing down. Forrest Griffin, towards the end of his career, it was clear his cognitive senses were wearing down. Yep. He, it, it was clear. And Forrest Griffin had the common sense himself to retire. That's right. You gotta, sometimes you gotta step in with these dudes and tell them, like, no more. And I think it was uh, unfortunate on Dana's part that he didn't take that time to step in and be like, maybe I shouldn't go fly off the handle and be like, he owes it to the UFC and Johnny Hendricks and the fans. Nope. He doesn't owe any of us anything. Listen. There's 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 one thing I've learned, and, and and this is from the wrestling side, and I know a lot of guys in there, you know, are gonna agree with this. A lot a lot of the fans, if if we've learned anything, a, a great example is the late Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit, you know, they his father approved for his brain to be researched, and the guy had you know a lot of post concussion damage to his brain. And whether or not that was a factor in what he did, it's a factor in terms of head trauma and how it can affect the body over the course of time. Now, obviously, there there's questions of recreational drug use, steroids, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, but getting bashed in the head, whether it's with a fist or with a steel chair, is going to catch up with you. And it's like... Another great example, Brett Favre. Brett Favre, they, they were like, hey, man, you know, can you come back and play? He's like, hey, I don't remember my daughter's fucking graduation. Like, like, like yo, like, leave me the fuck alone. And, and it's like GSP has made the UFC a ton of money, especially when they go to Canada. When they go to Canada and he fights, Dana White is swimming in money like Scrooge McDuck. There should, these are the times when Dana White needs to stop thinking about being a promoter and lining his pockets and start thinking as a guy that needs to protect his athletes. Because it's like if GSP decides, yo, I'm going to retire. Yeah, GSP will retire, and yeah, you could, you'll, you'll crown a new champion, but that presence that you had in Canada, that cash cow that you had in Canada is gone. How are you going to go and sell out Canada without a GSP? Let's be real. Yeah. Who who are you who, I mean, who are you changing? Who you know, who are you putting up there? Rory McDonald? Fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like GSP is guaranteed money. John Jones is guaranteed money. 
Chael, love him or hate him, guaranteed money. Rousey, guaranteed money. The same way that he pampers Ronda and lets Ronda get away with some shit, because we know Ronda gets away with some shit. You got to do that for... you. It has to be across the board. You got to protect your guys. You have to. You got to protect your champions. Don't get me wrong. You know, if, if you're on that dominant cruise, I tear my ACL from sneezing four times, then that's different. But if, if, if the dude's leaving his chunks of his body in the cage, you have to respect it. You know, he should have been like, you know what? He George took, a, to, took an incredible beating in this fight. And, um, you know... I let the guy take his break. It's not like the welterweight division. It's not like the 170 pound division doesn't have exciting fights. Fuck out of here. You know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, excuse me. That, that was the big thing I had, the problem I had. TSP never said I'm permanently retiring. Yep. Even though from the things he was saying, I kind of feel like if he was feeling that way, he might have needed to. <clears throat> but he just said he was taking a step away. That's it. If he wanted to take away a step away for one or two years, there was no reason that the UFC could have just been like, okay, <clears throat> we'll just fifty you up your bill. Yep. And whenever you decide you want to come back, you can come back. That's you it. You him on the belt. You have Johnny Hendricks fight. fight. The winner of Carlos Condit, um, uh, Matt Brown. You have him fight that or Robbie Lawler right. for the belt. Bam, you're done. That's there, it. There didn't need to be a huge rhetoric of GSP owes us something because he doesn't. This was the same issue I had with, with the whole John Jones being the reason 151 was canceled. Right. No, you guys were the reason it was canceled. Correct. You cannot. The, the UFC a lot of times, and this this is what helped build them, but at this point, it's, it, I think if something doesn't change, it might be the reason that we go towards a more boxing model in MMA at some point. Right. Because it built its brand on the name UFC. It didn't build its brand on the fighters. It just built its name on the UFC. We're getting to the point now where these fighters are becoming bigger than the UFC. This John is Jones true. is bigger than the UFC. Yep. John Jones, at the end of his contract, if he chose to leave the UFC and just do one-off fights like Floyd Mayweather, probably could make more money that way. GSP could do that. Yep. Uh, and Silva could do that. Well, it's funny. It's funny so, you mentioned that. It's but, funny you mentioned that. Not not to cut you off, but you know, if you've heard about the issues going on with GSP and his former manager, she um she said a very interesting quote in an interview, and she said, "When I was working with GSP, my job was to make sure GSP got sponsorships from big companies." She was like, I didn't want to go and have him wear X MMA apparel company or X supplement company. I wanted the Nikes, the Gatorades, the Under Armors. You, you know, I wanted those sponsors because this he has that type of appeal. Now, taking that into consideration, if this is a manager saying that for their client, why shouldn't Dana White apply that same logic? You know, you're creating athletes. It's like it's like the NBA with Michael Jordan. Yeah, the NBA is a league sport. But, you know, if they if they could have, they would have given Michael Jordan whatever he wanted. These are the facts. Most other sports, except the NFL, are built off the players. Yep. The NFL gets away with not being built off the players because it's, Amer- it's, it's basically America's pastime. Right. That's the only reason the NFL does. 
most of the NBA is built off of players. We don't watch the NBA for the NBA. We watch it for LeBron. We don't watch the NBA for just those three letters. You watch it for LeBron, Carmelo. You watch it for the, the stars. Right. That's why I watch UFC. I mean, I watch every UFC card, but the ones I care about are the stars. Correct. The UFC for so long was built off of the UFC that it kind of – I kind of feel like Dana views these guys as interchangeable parts. Yep. I can agree to that. And, and he's, he's getting to a point where it's not, you can't do that anymore. Nope, you can't. When, when John Jones has a sponsorship from Nike, and I think Gatorade, you can't treat him as an interchangeable part anymore. Nope. He's same. now your partner. Yeah, same thing with he, Anderson he, Silva. Yeah. The GSP, Anderson Silva, and John Jones, those three guys, they're not your partners in, in this. They're not your employees, per se. And even then, you, you view them as independent contractors. That's well, at right. this point, they're not your partners. Well, you got to And look. you can, Yeah, go ahead. No, what I was going to say is it's the same. The same logic that, that MMA needs to apply is the same logic that is applied to wrestling. Look at look at guys, you know, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, The Undertaker. These guys are bigger than the product to a degree. Mm-hmm. And and the whole reason why they get preferential treatment whether it's, you know, a cut of their merchandise or special projects or movie deals is because at the end of the day it benefits the company. Like G, like John Jones getting that Nike sponsorship, yeah, it's great for John Jones, but it's great for MMA. Exactly, yep. and when you put your fighters down, the way that they get put down in UFC, because I know a lot of people love Dana White for his brutal, blunt honesty, but a lot of times it's not good. When yep. when, when John Jones makes a comment, um, I, I remember like earlier this week when John Jones makes comments about them giving Alexander Augustuson, uh James Tahuna, like a fighter that he's probably clearly going to beat, and he's like, well, damn, I guess they want him to get the rematch that bad. And then Dana White comes out and be like, well, it sounds like you're scared. Actually, it did. He, he, he had a valid point. You're not giving him a real contender. Yep. See, like they, they, when you change the narrative, because of a white blood, I don't agree with most of the stuff Blood Stain Lane says, but one of the things I agree with him with is the Zufa zombie concept. Dana White has a bunch of people who listen to what he says and take that as a gospel. Yep. So when you turn them against your fighters, it does no one any good. When, when you blame something being canceled on a fighter, when you say GSP owes some people some, uh, owes people something, when you, when you call Anderson Silva out on a random weird thing, when you do things like that, it does no one any good. It doesn't do you any good, and it doesn't give your product any good. And I, like, like I said, like at some point, if this doesn't change, I kind of feel MMA is going to go to r- the route of, um, of boxing. Well, we're going to have a bunch of random independent belts. Like, well, well you know, belts created for. No, go ahead. Belts created for people to defend because they'll be, make more money that way because the UFC is is putting their fighters down. Well, here's here's one thing I'm going to say before we move on. With, with Dana White, it's like, I like Dana White, I like his approach. To business, I like the fact that he's that he's brash and that he he believes in his product. I like that. What what kills me with Dana White is the fact that you know he he sometimes doesn't know when to when to do the right thing for the product. And when, with, with regards to that, I'll say um, 
you know, the, the the John Jones thing is a great example. It's like, yeah, you know, you're you're out there like, yeah, man, you know, you're scared. If everybody believed what Dana White says, you would think that the UFC was that was the was the father of of mixed martial arts. And it's like, yeah, it was to a point, but the fact is that Dana White's mindless logic is 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 a gift and a curse for the fans because like you said the Zufa zombies and you know one of the, one of the guys Blistain Lane he's a friend of the show has said you know if you believe what Dana White says Dana White would you know you'd think Fedor was a bum or that Pride was bullshit or that the guys that came out of Japan weren't fucking warriors just because they didn't they weren't created by the Zufa machine like, it bothered me when Dana White would sit there and be like, yeah, well, Fedor's a fucking bum. It's like, dude, are you crazy? You're insane. Or, or you know, when 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 he talked about, you know, like, like don't get me wrong, he shits on Bellator and sometimes Bellator deserves it. But it's like, you got guys in that organization that can, you know, Eddie Alvarez, Ben Askren, you have guys in that organization that could come to the UFC and take some of your guys' lunch money. Don't act like you have every piece of talent in the world because you don't. You know, you don't have the Shinya Aokis. You don't have the Bibiano Fernandez. You don't got the Eddie Alvarez or the Ben Askren. Well, Ben Askren, that may change, but you get what I'm saying? Like, don't act like just because you're at the top of the mountain that you have all the talent because you, you don't. Not yet. Not yet. You got to respect the origins of this sport. Same thing with some of these guys that make you money. You can't shit on the guys that put that put money in your in your pocket. You can't, because they'll take a yeah, pay cut I mean, and go someplace else and be happy. They would. wouldn't even have to take a pay. If, if John Jones, let's say John Jones' contract, so John Jones, Bellator, Viacom would pay John Jones millions of dollars just, just to beat the hell out of everybody in the organization. Yep, like just millions upon millions of dollars, and 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 they wouldn't be wanting to do that. Nope, not at all. It, it, it's same thing with GSP, same thing with Anson Silva. Like, at some point, Dana White has got to take a step back and be like, maybe I'm hurting the product yep. with some of the things I say to do. It's the same thing, like, they were talking about in the chat with the 20th anniversary. They don't mention Tito, nope. Frank Shamrock, Ken Shamrock, or Randy Couture nope. at all in the 20th year anniversary. Like, you're, you're erasing... Huge chunks of your own history because of personal vendettas against people. I agree. I agree 10,000%. Like, you, you can't run a business that way. And, and I know a lot of people don't think these things are important, but in the long run, I guarantee you when the NFL does its own, because the NFL network is the NFL channel, but they're critical of themselves on their own channel. They don't have their hand so far up their own ass on their own channel that they're not critical of themselves on their own channel. And the UFC controls its image so much yep. that if you watch UFC tonight, there's no point that anybody is critical of anything that goes on in UFC on UFC tonight. Like, I tend not to watch it at all. Yep. But when you do, like, it's the hype job. Like, that's what that is. That's why I still watch Inside and, MMA because, you know, bossing those guys, yeah, you know, they, they're allowed to report on the UFC. But remember when they didn't, they weren't allowed to report on the UFC? They just, they still kept it real. Like, boss would be like, yeah, hey, like, you know, that dude is all right, but, you know, he did get his ass whooped. Yeah, like, it, when, when 
you have to be able to be critical of your own product. And the UFC at times, or, or more, more, more accurately, Dana at times, seems to be so, I don't like this guy, or this dude pissed me off. Because this dude, the, his, his people like Matthews, Chuck Liddell, uh, what was the middleweight champion that Anderson built? Beat um, Rich Rich Franklin. Yep, those guys will have a job with the UFC forever, not actually doing a damn thing. Because I guarantee you, Matt Hughes and Chuck Liddell don't do shit. Hell no, nothing. Be at the, the getting a check and just being at fight cards. They don't do nothing. Yep, and but they'll have but they'll have a UFC contract because they. It went out of the way for the company. Like, I listened to an interview with uh, um, Rich Franklin's manager, and he said that sometimes you got to do things that aren't smart for your career to help the company. No, they right. don't. No you, no, you don't. And and that was the, the issue with that, that, that Dana had with John Jones. It's like, yo, we, we bought you at Bentley, and but you can't let you crash, but you can't, <laughs> you know, fight for Sunday on a, in a week's notice. And I agree with John Jones' manager. No, nope. Why? For who? For what? And 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 then you know, and, and in an interview, he said, "Well, he's not going to be a Dana guy forever." Who the fuck cares? It's not about the UFC. It's about John Jones' legacy. It's not about the UFC. It's about GSP's legacy. That's so, right. You know, I, I just feel like Dana. He's got to change some stuff. I mean, I love the UFC. I love what it's done for MMA. But if he doesn't change, eventually. It may go pass him by. It's true. Or it leaves him by. So, well, a, cu- a couple of things, and and you know, this is going now into the regular MMA news. They they put out the the payouts for these guys. GSP made four hundred thousand dollars to for his fight, and Johnny Hendricks made a whopping fifty thousand plus the fifty thousand bonus for fight of the night. Chael made a hundred thousand. Rashad made 125. That's why I said that this was a cash fight. Mm-hmm. Robbie Lawler made 80. Rory McDonald made 50. Tyron Woodley made 50. Koscheck made 78. You know what I mean? Dudes, dudes made got made some decent paper this fight. Tyron uh, T Wood took a fifty thousand dollar knockout of the night bonus. Donald Cerrone took sub of the night, and GSP and Hendricks took fifty grand apiece. Uh, GSP, I believe, didn't get the win bonus from what I'm from what I read. I read so it, it's like there's money to be made, but in Rashad Evans and Chael's case, dude, that was just let's fill this out and make a quick payday. Both guys made over a hundred grand. Yeah, I mean, hey, they they had to they had to have a co-main event, and if you're gonna pay me a hundred grand to Fuck beat it. up a guy that I know can beat up or just get beat up. For a little while. Hey, Fuck I'm, I'm going to take that 100000 <laughs> So, this we talked about earlier this week, and it is the um, rumor of a new women's division. And the rumor seems to be 115 pounds, which, you know, the the ladies of Invicta have a pretty deep roster at 115. I, I think mm-hmm. that while a, another women's division would be nice, I still feel that the, that the current women's division needs to be fleshed out a bit more. Agree? That's exactly how I feel. I mean, I understand wanting to do it, but I don't think it's a good idea right now. Plus, you have a men's division that you haven't fleshed out. Yep. 125 has like 10 fighters in it. 
like they they've got a couple of other divisions they need to flesh out first before doing another women's division. And you know, I, I understand it, it, it is it is a very cool idea to think 115 pound women, but it's it's I don't think it's a feasible thing to do right now. I think Dana White's going to probably set it up as a talent exchange with Invicta, and he's going to. Uh-huh. He's going to probably let his 140-pound women go over there. And um, Invicta's going to let him borrow a couple of 115-pounders. I have a feeling that the payoff for that will be the Cyborg-Rousey fight. Well, I mean, they already kind of have a, like like I told you um, earlier, or mentioned earlier. Um, a working you, relationship. They, they kind of have, yeah, they have a working relationship yep. already. So that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not unlikely at all. Um I think that's probably something that's going to end up happening. Um, I, I don't know. I, we'll see because they, they really didn't put up a timetable for when this is going to occur, but they did the same thing with the uh, the 125 division. And then, like, randomly they had a 125 tournament, just randomly, just announced it. So we'll see. Um, I just think they need to, to fill out some other, other uh, divisions first. I'd I'd take it like I said if it was a talent exchange with Invicta that'll allow Invicta's fighters to get some some time and you know some screen time as well and I think that would work but only in that capacity creating a completely new division like we were saying without fleshing out the other ones no but a talent exchange with Invicta what I think would benefit both organizations and not only that like I said opens up that possibility of the Rousey Cyborg fight yeah. I mean, I, I I hope that fight eventually happens. <laughs> Shit, I'd let I'd let Ronda uh, go fight Cyborg. Cyborg's belt's on the line. Let's say Ronda wins. Ronda, you get to lend Ronda to Invicta. Yeah, I, I, I doubt they'll lend Ronda to Invicta. I, I, she probably is on a list of things they can't have. You never know, dude. I think I think I think if 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 Dana White has enough belief that she can go in there and fuck people up, like when he sent Chuck to Pride, not that that went well, but you get what I'm saying. Like, yo, I believe my chick can go in there and do damage. Never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. We have to see. I, I don't know. I'd be like, I'd be shocked if he sent her to Invicta, just because that's such a smaller stage for somebody that makes you so much money on the big stage. So, I, I don't know. Um, but I, I'd be interested to see how it works out. If it is, in fact, a uh, fighter exchange, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how they work that out, like the title and all that stuff. Like, can it be defended in Invicta, or will it be just one Will it be one blanket title that UFC and Invicta are using? Stuff like that. I'd be interested to see how they, they work it out. I bet you Dana White will co-promote with them. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot different co-promoting when it's, when it's females. Yep. You can't co-promote with Bellator because I mean, that benefits only Bellator. So. Of course. <laughs> well, so you can't can't co-promote with them though. Well, here's here's a fight I know you're probably pumped to see. Josh Thompson and Benson Henderson will be facing off at UFC on Fox 10, January 25th in Chi Town. Um, that should be a good fight. Um, that's gonna be a problem, dude. The only issue I have with that fight is if Ben Henderson wins, I have no desire to see him fight Anthony Pettis again. <laughs> no. Like, like uh, because I, I, I'm i almost 100% sure he'd find some way to lose. This is again. true. This uh, is true. So, 
So I just I understand that you can't like because Ben Henderson's probably gonna beat ninety percent of the lightweights you have. Probably ninety nine percent of the lightweights you have. You can't like not give him high level fights. No, but of I would course. try to I would do it in a fashion that would go nowhere near him ever getting <laughs> Well, it's it's funny you say that because here's another here's another fight with a guy who will probably never get near a belt ever again. Luke Rockhold and and Constant Philippou going down January fifteenth. That's going to be for fight night thirty five. I think Luke Rockhold. I mean, <laughs> if Luke Rockhold would ever get healthy, um, I mean, if he puts some wins together, I, I could see him getting to a belt. Um, to a belt. Fighting, fighting. <laughs> Not Anderson, Silva, not, not Anderson Silva. Oh, not Anderson Silva. <laughs> not against Silva. But I mean, if 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 he, because I, I could see him putting together a string of wins, you know, getting getting to to Chris Wyman or somebody. I mean, you you can't fight Anderson Silva with your hands down, because nope, that would end poorly. This but, is true. You know, um, yeah, I could see. Why you hating on Luke Rockhold, man? Luke Rockhold's a good fighter. <laughs> Well, you know what it is, man. Luke Rockhold, it, it, it's like whenever they, they whenever they promote him, they're like, "Oh, he's a surfer and he's an incredible athlete." Like they have nothing to promote him with. You know what I mean? He's just like here. That was, that was terrible at promoting, <laughs> <laughs> dude. It's just like it's like he's a surfer and an athlete. It's like, all right, great, <laughs> congratulations. You can yeah, surf. I, I remember that, that ad when they were doing Infinity Sniper. Surfer. Yep. Exactly. So I think that was more strike force, not knowing how to promote. Yeah, this is true. Well, speak, speaking of uh, of not knowing how to promote either, yo, how does Matt Riddle get himself cut from two organizations? Because he's a pothead. <laughs> um, I mean, they tell you you can't smoke before a fight or in, yep. in in the lead up to a fight. I mean, don't. Just just don't. Yep, just fuck that, themselves. It's that simple. Like, Nick Diaz avoided it. Um, It can be avoided. <laughs> but, dude, the fight, I, I his fight was fucking tomorrow. You know, it's like, it's like, damn, dude. Like, really, you got yourself out of the fight and the, and the card is tomorrow. I <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the hell is up with Matt Riddle. Um, I mean, he always seemed like a real dude, bro, to me. Yep. Like, I don't. I don't know. He he's a pothead that doesn't can't can't at least not do it while he's he's in training camp to fight. Like, just don't do it. Like, nope. <laughs> I do. I do feel bad for for Brian Melancon, Man, he had to withdraw from his fight and had to retire due to kidney issues. Yeah. Tough that, break, that, man. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that that does suck. Um I kinda wanna know how long he's had these because he fought like a couple months ago. Yes he did. He um who the hell did he fight? I th- no he well the next fight was supposed to be in Australia. So yeah, it wasn't that long ago he fight. He was he was he had a seven and three record and then uh you know he was one and one in the UFC. Yeah, so I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just find it interesting. Like this can came up now. Like, did he have this before? Like, 
And if so, that's a real oversight on somebody's um, athletic department to have have let him fight this long. Well, you know one thing, I was I was hyped because they had announced Diago Silva and OSP for Fight Night Thirty Five. Mm-hmm. Then they just took it away because Silva, I think, got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that earlier. I was all hype. I'm like, yeah, man, this is gonna be an awesome. Kind of no. <laughs> yeah, I. I I don't. I don't know. I, I. I'm surprised the other Silva still fights. Well, they um, they redeemed me by they redeemed themselves by announcing Gonzaga and Stipe Miocic for um, UFC on Fox 10. So I, those those somebody's going to sleep with that fight. Somebody's taking the the nasty nap. Yeah, that should be a really good fight. Um, I think Stipe Miocic should be able to get it, but you know Gabriel Gonzaga. Every now and again, he'll surprise you and knock somebody out. So. Um, I think that should be a real good fight. So, the the last bit of MMA news, I just wanted to kind of touch on the Ultimate Fighter just because I've missed, you know, three episodes since I was out of town and I came back and I kind of mm-hmm. caught last night's episode and I saw the coach's challenge and I'm like, I don't know, man. Did the season just come to a screeching fucking halt? It was super awesome. And then it was like, Arr! no. No. <laughs> I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. Like I stopped watching it. it, it just it became it became too too catty. Like yep. it just it just lost it it it's luster to me. Like I'm okay. Like I get they don't like each other, but the way they express it is just them acting like high schoolers towards yep. each other. Like don't sit next to my boyfriend. Like like the fuck? I don't I don't nobody cares about him. Like. It's just, it's just random ridiculousness, and then the house with two genders in the house also became real, got real adolescent real quick. Yep. And I just I lost all and like I, I fast forwarded through most of the shows and watched the fights. That's <laughs> it, and, and, and it's weird. Tend to be that good. It's weird because I I feel that. We, you know, you and I spoke about the fact that Tough was going to have this big resurgence and the women were going to kind of make it better, but it just feels like it's kind of, I think it needs like a break. And honestly, and call me crazy, but I feel that what's going to get people talking about Tough is Vanderlei and fucking Chael because those dudes hate each other. Like legitimately, I'm going to kill you in your sleep kind of hate. Like if I could come and shoot up your household while your family's having Thanksgiving dinner kind of hate. I think that was rejuvenated. Yep. I think for America, I think Tough is kind of just, yeah. Tough is it's, done, it's, but like I think I think instead of doing Tough, they should do like some kind of weekly or bi-weekly fight series. Right. Like especially to get like one twenty-five or some fights and and like the, the fighters that don't get a lot of fights, so the smaller weight classes. Yep. I do like, that. Do two weeks, just do a card. I do like, that. A three fight fight card something. I do that for two years, you know. Yeah, like just just give tough a break because at this point, first of all, you don't need it anymore because the reason for tough, you kind of now have other organizations doing it, and most of the fighters you get on tough don't tend to be that good. Now, like I mean, the, the smaller weight class season, the the first one with John Dotson, yep, and Diego Brandau, all them dudes. Those dudes turned out to be really good. Yep. This one, none of those dudes are going to make it in the UFC. I, I don't give any of those dudes any real shot to be great in the UFC. 
And these girls, um, I mean, these girls are good, but, I mean, you're picking from a shallow weight class or a shallow pool anyway. Right. So I, I just, I, it needs a break. They, it needs a break, and they need to do something different because the Ultimate Fighter at this point is just, just a waste. All I, like I said, the, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, the, the payoff for this season obviously is Ronda Rousey possibly um, taking Misha Tate's arm and wearing it around her neck for the foreseeable future. But um, like I said, Chael and Vandalay is probably going to be where it's at. And the reason I say this is because the seasons of tough where the coaches legitimately hate each other make the fighters hate each other because there's such a loyalty to the coaches. I don't know about I don't know if the Brazilian fighters are going to fucking get behind Chael. They may conspire to kill Chael in his sleep, but still, that's part of the fun. Like think about it. These guys, the, the Chael and Vanderlei are going to walk in there. You know when the when tough starts and the coaches walk in and they see each other. Dude, they got to walk in there with like security to make sure these dudes don't kill each other. And then <laughs> more more uh uh, uh, uh. Vandalay doesn't try to kill Chael. Right. So, the, I don't think that this light is as strong on one side as the other. Right, but that's part of it. And then the other part is that you know Vandalay's going to be talking to the, all the the Brazilian guys in Portuguese like, yo, this guy talks shit about your country and he's going to be your coach. And you know these dudes are going to be like, yo, we're going to kill this dude in his sleep. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to watch it. I, I, think it should, I think it should be really interesting. I think it'll be a fun season. Um, hopefully they show it in America because I, I think I don't know how good of numbers it'll do in America, but I think it'll be it's worth watching um, in America. Like I think people will watch it, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna watch it. It's, it should be a good season, um, especially. Hopefully they do a smaller weight class because those tend to be the better better seasons. But um, we'll see. There you go. All right, that's gonna wrap up the MMA for this week. Uh, anything going on that I should know about? What are you What are you working on? Anything? Or are you just uh, on the grind for the man? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically just just working right now. Um, I, uh, my YouTube channel, uh, Three Kings, um, pod, or I think it's still called Three Kings Podcast. <laughs> it's not really a podcast, but it's called Three Kings Podcast. But uh. We did a couple album reviews. Um, I think the last one we put up was an old review for Jay-Z's Magna Carta Holy Grail because um, I hadn't posted it, so I just went ahead and threw that up. But uh, we're probably going to be doing uh, reviewing Eminem's new album. So we're doing that, but as far as it being a podcast, we're, we're not doing that right at the moment because i got to set up a studio of my own. <laughs> gotcha. Sounds good. All right, make sure to check out Ben's uh, write-up of UFC 167 on MyTakeRadio.com. You can also follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89, B-L-A-Q-O-U-T-89 on Twitter. Anything else? Nope. All right, my dude, as always, uh, thank you for the assist this evening, and um, I will catch up with you soon. All right, man. Peace. Peace. All right, guys, that was Ben. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Blackout89. All right, let's get into some wrestling. I have missed playing this clip just because it's it it's it's pretty much synonymous with the show. So, take it away. We want the gold, sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga.
I legitimately missed that Booker T clip. I don't know why. I just felt like playing it when, when I was on my honeymoon. Just randomly. I wanted to just walk into a restaurant and play it. Just because it was it was it was just something that just needed to be done. I think I think it was the withdrawal of doing not doing the show for two weeks. And I'm like, fuck, you know, I need I need to play this this Booker T clip. It was it was it was bad. I'm like, damn, maybe I should make it a ringtone. And then I'm like, nah, because it, I, I leave my phone pretty loud and I'll be having dinner and just Booker T telling somebody he's coming for him. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how well that would go over. I'm sure I'm sure in Puerto Rico with the influx of of African-Americans that were there for a conference. I'm sure it would have ended badly, but <laughs> it just it just needed to be done. But anyway, uh, a couple of things on the wrestling front. I see uh, a couple of people are like, please, no diva rants this week. No diva rants. Rest assured, I'm not going to I'm not going to shit on him too bad because I um I did I did get to watch Raw in Puerto Rico the you know the week the week that I was there one of the weeks that I was there and um you know I it was it I the stuff that they're doing with the Wyatts and the Shield were pretty cool um you know things of that nature were fine but of course we got Survivor Series around the corner and the build up is you know it is what it is it's coming along I don't want to say it's good I don't want to say it's bad but Raw this week was it was Raw Country. Now here's here's the thing. When Raw starts getting into doing themes like Raw Country, Raw in Space, this, that, it it, it was I always know that it's gonna be a not it's gonna be lackluster. I always feel that whenever they gotta shill something, it never works the way it should. No no disrespect to country music. Um, yep, goes back to guest of the week. Um, this is this is the kind of stuff that before I get into the you know going through raw, it it it, it bothers me because why can't you just do raw just doing raw? You're doing you know raw in the UK is okay, you know I don't mind that because you're in the UK you have a lot of fun and not for nothing I think the UK audience is just I don't want to say they're more in touch with the product they're just more. I don't know. They, they're more interactive. Like, American wrestling fans, it's either what or, you know, the what chance or occasionally there'll, there'll be shades of brilliance like the uh, the New York audience, uh, post-WrestleMania, etc., etc. But, like, the UK fans, they, they always give us something memorable. There's always some crazy shit. Same thing with Canada. Canada does some, some wild stuff as well. Um, you know, the Canada crowd, definitely. I like the Canada crowd. And and they do really well. It, it just th- this raw country shit, like the shilling of all these Blake Shelton. But I was I was I honestly was waiting for like Duck Dynasty to come out and Billy Ray Cyrus and like Garth. Bro- I was waiting for Garth Brooks to come out with Jeff Jarrett and hit somebody with a guitar. Like they were trying too hard. They really were trying too hard with this with the whole raw country situation. But overall. Overall, there there were some high points. Randy Orton killing Brad Maddox was, you know, it is what it is. But on the flip side, Biggie Langston becoming your new Intercontinental Champion was a high point for a couple of reasons. I've always said that if you're not going to build up Mark Henry 
or you're not going to build up Kofi Kingston. The guy that you should really throw your energy behind is Big E Langston. He's 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 comfortable on the mic when he's not being forced to play a character. Um he's not he has a he has a good look. Um he he overall just has main event potential. Curtis Axel, a lot of people are, are saying, you know, outside uh Slick saying Curtis Axel sucks. Um Slick also saying about Curtis Axel no longer being uh, a Heyman guy. It, it, for me, I think um you know, uh, 7659 is saying that uh, Big E is going nowhere. It's going to be Reigns. Okay. You know, I, I can see where you're going with, with citing Reigns, but Big E, he has the potential. And the reason I say that is because you need to build a star. And, 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 and again, call this whatever you want. You want to build Alberto Del Rio for the Hispanic audience. You want to build Rey Mysterio for the Hispanic audience. You want to build, you know, an AJ Lee for the girl next door. Big, you have to build somebody for your African-American audience. You do. Yes, Reigns definitely has mainstream appeal. I, I agree 100%. But you ha- you need to have a guy. You need to because it's it's way too often that people are citing the fact that African Americans are not prominent. They're not prominent in the product, and I've been seeing this more so. Um, you know, I talked about it with the Court Bauer situation, uh, where he talked about the fact that you know uh, uh, minorities only get the World Heavyweight Championship, and and whatever, make of it what you will. But I just feel that they need to break that because what's going to happen is you're going to reach a point where people are going to notice. People are going to notice that, hey, you know, WWE is really not promoting African-American wrestlers. It's going to happen. And automatically they're going to have to jump and, 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 and do something to, to make that go away. So rather than saying, you know... Rather than saying, "Oh yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have this guy after the backlash is done," you can start building a, a guy to to kind of just be the face for that audience. Let's not kid ourselves. Vince wants to take money from everybody. Race has no race has no bearing as long as green is being dispensed. Simple as that. Race has no bearing, but. We're also a, a nation of demographics. We are a nation of demographics. We all need to root for our own. And I've talked about this and we've joked about, you know, people trying to vote for Alberto, you know, root for Alberto Del Rio and Hispanic fans just being like, yo, fuck that guy. I know enough Hispanic people that say that Alberto Del Rio is the poorest representation for them of a Hispanic superstar. Again, that's always up for debate. But it's it's it it is that, and I see a lot of guys are talking about Bobby Lashley, and um, Bobby Lashley. It's funny because Bobby Lashley had all the tools, but he was boring as shit. He was just boring. Like he looked the part. You know, you looked at him, and you're like, oh shit, that guy, he's awesome looking. But he just had nothing. He had no. He had. He was just a jacked. He he'd come out and he'd be like, "Hey guys, it's 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 Bobby Lashley." It's like, "Really? You're like not you're like stacked like this high and it's like, 
Hey man, hey, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that Donald Trump shaves Vince's head. It's like, dude, really? Like he didn't have. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't. I'm not saying he should come out like Booker T, but I, and and again, I'm not saying he should you know shuck and jive, come out shucking and jiving. But there's really no credible African American wrestlers that WWE is pushing. Period. And yeah, everybody's going to talk about our truth and and you know, I I've always said that I'm not a fan of the of the of the shucking and jiving the the um the the things that they make our truth do because when our truth was in TNA and he got the run with the TNA title, he was amazing. He was an amazing heel in TNA. Then you know, he went back to shucking and jiving because here's the funny thing with R-Truth. R-Truth is an underrated performer, very underrated. But when he was a heel in TNA and he was the truth and he came out there and he got in Ken Shamrock's face and this was old TNA, I'm talking weekly pay-per-view shit. You were like, wow, who knew that K-Quick had this, had this much going on underneath? Now he comes to WWE and it, it's like he doesn't even try. It's like, yo, you're going to come out here and you're going to shuck and jive. You're going to, you know, the, you're going to let the coonery run wild. That's what you're going to do. He is, you know, it's it's funny. If you guys watch Boardwalk Empire or, you're watch, or you've watched it recently, you know that um, there's a guy there named Dr. Narcisse. And Dr. Narcisse says, um, he says to Chalky White, played by Michael K. Williams, like, you know, even though you're even though you're in charge, you're not in charge because you're somebody's boy. And it's true. Our truth for as 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 great of an athlete as he is, he is somebody's boy. That's what he is. I, I'm sorry to say it, but he is somebody's boy. It's you know, go out there, shuck and jive, we gonna dance, you know, that that's what you're gonna do. And yeah, you could say, oh, well, you know, you got him with consequences with 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 um, Xavier Woods when they were truth and consequences in TNA. And that's great. But um, I'm sorry, but he, like our truth is legitimately like somebody's boy. And it's 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 fucked up. You know, I, I, I feel bad for saying it because I like our truth. I legitimately do. But when he's out there, hey, y'all, you want to buy some T-shirts? That's what you all do. Buy some t-shirts. And it's just like, really? That's what we're doing? Where you're shucking and jiving? Come on. And and it's exactly our truth for twerking every week. Thank you. But the funny thing is, our tr- there's more to our truth. Everybody's going to say to me, oh, Rich, you know, our truth is a fucking sellout. No, our truth is, is getting paid. That's what our truth is doing. He is stacking it. Hey, we want you to go out there and we want you to sing in blackface. But but I'm black, Vince. Damn it, you're gonna put on blackface. But but I'm black. Damn it, put it on. That's what's gonna happen. That's our truth. Our truth is the guy that will go out there and do whatever needs to be done to get paid. He is a company guy. This is a guy that when he stops wrestling, he will work backstage forever he's that guy he's a guy that he can break his leg never wrestle but will have a guaranteed job because he is vince's boy and if if anybody disagrees 
or whatever, by all means, feel free to call in or comment. But I feel that our truth, he hasn't sold out. He's just getting a paycheck. That's it. That's it. He, he's like the Brooklyn. That's it. Think about it. Put yourself in our truths shoes. You know, you want to say our truth probably makes, let's say he makes a hundred grand a year. Let's say, let's say he makes a hundred grand a year and, and they tell him, Hey truth, you're going to go out there and and you're going to do the job and you're going to have the invisible little kid and your gimmick is just going to be shit, but you're getting paid a hundred grand a year. You, you're doing what you love. You are doing what you love. Even even if it's not what you'd like it to be, you're doing what you love and you're getting a hundred grand. Again, that's not what he, I'm not saying that's what he gets paid, but you gotta call a spade a spade. That wasn't racial. <laughs> but seriously, like I think our truth has a tremendous upside. His jigabooing, shucking and jiving, mystical bullshit. Just like I've said, Vince McMahon has an idea with every minority and it's the idea that's the antiquated idea like Vince McMahon still thinks that wearing plastic jumpsuits like Diddy is fashionable it's like no Vince we are in 2013 that shit is not cool like R-Truth comes out with you know his airbrush jeans and shit where when was the last time any of you saw airbrushed jeans much less airbrushed anything or, or he comes out with a bulletproof vest, and it's like, R-Truth, when? 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 You know when that was popping? 1999. 2002. Probably from 1999 to like 2002. Seriously. You know, Ryback's outfit, RVD, same shit. You know, that was cool back then. But RVD, that's kind of like his trademark. Ryback is just... Ryback is trying to find 17 different things to create a gimmick, which we'll talk about later on. Anyway, speaking of everyone's favorite uh, Goldberg RVD bastard child, Ryback had himself a little match with the Big Show, which was surprisingly good up until the Big Show kicked out of Shellshock, which is pretty much their way of just burying Ryback completely. Thank you, Val. Uh, Ryback is just, he's pretty much been shit on from start to finish and I'll tell you guys why he came in like gangbusters they they pushed him they pushed him they pushed him then they made him a Heyman guy and he just turned a complete shit and then allegedly again allegedly because I wasn't there and I didn't see it you know he's he's in the shit house for doing the uh, the spear and the jackhammer in an event thank you Jay and um that kind of got him into some trouble and of course you know Here's here's a couple of things with regards to Ryback. Allegedly, they want to do Ryback and Lesnar for Mania. Again, with Ryback being the face and Lesnar obviously coming back in in with Paul Heyman by his side. Might work. The only reason that they're allegedly looking at that match is because they doubt that they're going to be able to get Goldberg to do a match with Ryback with Goldberg doing the job. I'll be 100% honest in the fact that if Goldberg came back to fight Ryback, you'd have to give Goldberg the victory. And I'll tell you why. Because when Goldberg was doing his run with WWE, they made him look like shit. They owe him that much. 
Seriously, like they, uh, like that run he did where with Triple H, where he was like feuding with Triple H, was probably the worst Goldberg run ever. Like, don't get me wrong, him getting jobbed out to the cattle prod in WCW was wasn't good either. But it's like, that, yep, there you go. Val says it. Goldberg job to Triple H like every week. It's true. Like, if Goldberg comes back, you owe him that. Like, put him in the Hall of Fame, and. Let him let him do the job. Let Ryback do the job. You want to know why? Because if Ryback loses to Goldberg, it's not really hurting Ryback. Ryback can't be hurt more than he has already. You can't really make him any shittier. You could. I mean, you can make him part of 3MB, but I, but seriously, you can't bury him any more than he's buried himself. And honestly, I think people would tune in to see that match. I'd be curious to see that match. It, I'd rather Goldberg and Ryback or Goldberg and Lesnar than giving Ryback a chance at the Undertaker's streak, which we all know he's going to get killed anyway. You know? I, I'd take Ryback and Goldberg, even if it's a, even if it's a match that's, that's eight minutes long. I'll take it. But at least you, you not only redeem Goldberg, but Ryback gets to work with somebody who may actually pass on some knowledge and make him look good, you know, and, and yeah, definitely not Goldberg and Lesnar, no, 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 that we did not happening, let's not have that shit, I would probably do Goldberg and Ryback, or Lesnar and Ryback, and that's it, and yeah, you know, uh, GFQ viewer 7659 says Goldberg is the shit. Trust me, I've never said that Goldberg was a was a mat technician, but from a mainstream from mainstream appeal, from selling a card, people are gonna be like, damn, you know, I'd want to see Goldberg and Ryback. I I honestly would, out of curiosity. Goldberg and the Undertaker, we know, it would would just be shit. It just wouldn't work. And honestly, if you did that, I would be I would be saddened because the Undertaker doesn't deserve that match. You know, Mortis is talking about Sting and the Undertaker. I agree. That's a match that if that if the Undertaker was retiring this year, I'd take Sting and the Undertaker. Sure, it's not going to be a, a a wrestling classic, but it's the, uh, it's a fitting match to close out both guys' careers. Seriously, put Sting in the Hall of Fame. Undertaker goes in the Hall of Fame, you have one match, and that's it. Undertaker goes off into the sunset, and at least it looks more promising than, you know, Undertaker and Ryback, or Undertaker and Sheamus, which is something that's been making the rounds on on the internet this week. Everybody's like, oh, you know, Taker Taker and Sheamus, because Sheamus really wants the match. Really? And, And yeah, Taker and Hogan, you know what's funny about Taker and Hogan? You, everybody's probably going to be like, yo, The Undertaker and Hogan is going to be a shitty match. Sure. But again, from a money standpoint, you got to remember, the under, you know, Hogan and, and, and Taker's story goes back decades, years, and there's a genuine story there. Sting and Undertaker is probably the only match that nobody's ever, that people don't talk about as much because... Fans want to see it, but me personally, I'd want to see it because Sting's never been in the WWE, and you're not going to have Sting come in and wrestle Triple H. That should have looked stupid. 
at least if Sting comes in and wrestles a guy like The Undertaker, they can work a decent pace and put on a solid match. Because not for nothing, Sting with the right opponents, he looks pretty good. His matches with Kurt Angle and TNA weren't bad matches. That's it. You know, that's the only thing I'd take. Anyway, uh, the Real Americans took on The Miz and Kofi Kingston. Of course, The Miz turned heel and yeah. Nobody gives a shit about The Miz at this point. Heel, face, employed, unemployed. <laughs> Nobody cares. And I feel bad for the poor bastard, but it's true. No, Nobody gives a shit about The Miz. Seriously. Tell, any, I want you guys in the chat to tell me. If The Miz was fired tomorrow, honestly, if The Miz was fired tomorrow, would any of you care? Seriously. If, if Miz was fired tomorrow, would any of you guys even remotely notice he was gone? Slick says, I would miss him. 7659 says, yes. Val says, no. Strider says, not really. Val says, fuck no. Mortis says, my feelings would hurt, wouldn't hurt if he wasn't in the WWE. You know? It's, here's the thing with the Miz. The Miz is a bona fide heel, 100% on point. But after his main event run with Cena, he, it just, I just felt it went downhill for The Miz. You know, he's had a couple of botches. He's, you know, a couple of guys have gotten hurt in matches with him. But I just feel that his stock just took a huge tumble and he's just never recovered. He's one of those guys that as a heel, he's probably good. But there's nothing else to him. It, it's funny. 7659 says, John Morrison is the Marty and Miz was the Shawn Michaels. I, I can see that. I can see that. The thing with the Miz for me is that in terms of mainstream appeal, he's, he's there. He has, he's there. You know, he has mainstream appeal. He, he has a great grasp of, of the MTV generation. Um, Morrison is wrestling on the independents. He was, I believe, wrestling for FWE, and I also know he was doing some stand-up. So that'll answer, um, you know, 7659's questions. Um, Well, I don't even know if he was asking or if he was just saying that as a rhetorical question. So if it was, I apologize. Anyway, the the problem with The Miz is he's he's a bona fide heel, guaranteed, solid heel, but he's just... I think WWE just didn't know what else to do with him. That's what happens. Like, like, like the Miz is a guy that you should build him up as like this cocky douchebag. Like he should probably be like Brad Maddox's right hand man. Like the, he's that kind of a guy. He's like that douchebag. You know what he is? Remember when Eric Bischoff was running raw and they took Val Venus and he was chief Morley. The Miz should be Brad Maddox's chief Morley. Like that type of a dude, just a douchebag that's that's running that's running shit and trying to make himself more important than he is, but he can still go out there and fuck somebody up. Because I, they've tried everything. Not even giving him the figure four leg lock worked. Making him a face in the most weirdest of ways didn't work. Just didn't. It was flawed. As a heel, the Miz just 
he's just he's, he works because it feels more natural. The guy comes out, he cuts a promo, and it's like, uh, yeah. You know? It works because he's that much of a douchebag. Anyway, Vicky Guerrero did her little stretcher job, and, you know, AJ put her in what passed for a Black Widow. Meh. It is what it is. Damian Sandow and Dolph Ziggler had a quote-unquote Broadway brawl. It was... Yeah. It was... It was interesting. It was interesting, to say the least. The, the Broadway brawl definitely was probably one of the lower points of of the night. Probably followed by that awkward-ass promo with Cena and Del Rio. You know, Cena comes out and he's yelling. And Del Rio, oh, John Cena, I'm going to make you cry. Yes. You know, it was just like, yeah. Definitely. It just definitely looked like shit. You went from one shitty thing to that terrible-ass promo. And again, Del Rio comes out, and it's pretty much crickets. Crickets chirping when Del Rio comes out. Nobody gives a shit about that poor bastard. And I can go on a trademark Del Rio rant about him being a Mexican aristocrat, but we already, you guys already know my thoughts on the matter. The promo was definitely weak. On the flip side, the Rhinestone Cowboys took on R-Truth and, and Xavier Woods, of course, Truth, uh, Truth and Consequences, and um, it was good. It was a good match, definitely a great uh, welcome to the big leagues for Xavier Woods. Uh, those of you that have been listening to My Take Radio from the beginning know that Consequences Creed has been on the show a few times. Uh, he's a friend of the show. Um, I actually messaged him, congratulated him on making the jump uh, via Xbox Live. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy for him. I feel that he's got a, a, a ton of talent. He was he was good in TNA. He worked very well with R-Truth. I think this would be good for R-Truth as well. Um, obviously, you can't call him Truth and Consequences anymore, but I'm sure they'll figure something out. Honestly, what I'd like is for Xavier Woods to be like, you know what, Truth, man? You know, you need you need to polish it up and just R Truth cut off them shitty ass braids with his equator hairline and just come out in like wrestling trunks and just be a badass dude. No shucking and jiving, no coonery, no stupidness, but just like a badass dude. Comes out with art with, with Xavier Woods and everybody's like, holy shit, who is that? Oh shit, it's R Truth. Cut off the braids, get rid of the tie-dyed and, and airbrush pants, lose the, the bulletproof vest, and come out in some, in some tights or some trunks and really go out there and make a run in the tag team division. I, I wouldn't mind. I don't even mind what they're doing with 3MB because we already know what 3MB's purpose is. But it works. At least they're a tag team, and it works. R-Truth and Xavier Woods can work if we don't have our truth coming out dressed like an extra from a uh, you know from a juvenile video seriously if he if he just came like if our truth came out yo he in in some trunks or whatever just not his typical stereotypical black guy self it wouldn't be so bad it would not be so bad but currently the only good thing that came out of this pairing is that we're probably going to get some decent wrestling But truth still being truth, yeah, definitely not the move. So, Punk, Brian, the Rhodes, and the Usos took on the Wyatt family and the Shield in in a crazy match, which was, you know, it was was phenomenal. 
Um, again, the shield, tremendous chemistry. You see the the tension brewing with uh, the Wyatt family, which when that finally erupts is going to be definitely worth watching. I, I I like the end of the the end of the match. You know the um, the suicide dive on the Usos to the Wyatts, and you know um, Ambrose reversing the GTS into his finisher, which was pretty cool. It, it was just it was just so well done. Um, Punk getting the pin was was solid, and it definitely got the crowd really hype going into Survivor Series. Of course, it ended with the wonderful return of Rey Mysterio, which was. For me, unexpected. I knew Rey Mysterio was scheduled to come back. I didn't know he would come back on Raw. I expected him to come back at like Survivor Series as the mystery partner, but clearly they decided to bring him back on television. You know, it's it, there, there was so much. There was so many good things about that match. I know a couple of guys were saying to me, they were like, yeah, Rich, you know, but it was so much going on that it took away from the match. Uh, and, and honestly, I felt that that kind of a match really got you hyped for Survivor Series. Some people saying that it was too much. Me, I think that Survivor Series is around the corner. You needed to do something big to get people interested. And the match itself had so many great players involved. So many great ones. And the Usos continue to impress every week. Every week. You know, there were there was just so many great so many great spots. The the Wyatt family just Im- continues to impress. And this is the thing, you know, everybody gives Triple H a lot of shit about, you know, holding guys back or whatever, but the current crop of talent that were in that main event match were were on uh, running on all cylinders. Goldust was probably the best I've seen him since his feud back in the day with Razor Ramon, like, you know, when he was motivated. You know, let's not talk about Black Rain, but I'm talking about like Goldust. Not only was he is he in shape, he can hang with the young guys. He he really does a good job of selling and telling a great story. But not only that, he's helping Cody become better because if you've noticed since they put them together, there's something about Cody Rhodes that has improved. And it's funny because Jay said a couple of weeks back he was like, "Wow." I'm actually starting to give a fuck about Cody Rhodes. And it was funny because Cody Rhodes was one of those guys where you kind of cared about him, but you didn't, depending on the gimmick. Like, when he was putting the paper bags on everybody's faces, it was awesome. But when he was, you know, when he was with Ted DiBiase Jr., it was like, oh, fuck these guys. Like, Cody Rhodes definitely is learning a lot from his brother, and it's really helping him become a better performer overall the ending even though a lot of people felt that it was disjointed or there was too much shit going on i was thoroughly thoroughly impressed thoroughly impressed with the entire way to close it out and honestly if i watched this and i was on the fence about ordering survivor series this may actually motivate me to do it you know it it, it may motivate me to do it because there's so many great you know there's so many great things Going into this card, uh, GFQ7659 says, Cody is boring as a face. I don't like it. I like him as a heel. The thing with, see, Mass Cody Rhodes I liked. Mass Cody Rhodes I definitely like. Dashing Cody Rhodes, it depends. Like, when he started as Dashing Cody Rhodes, he was kind of still working the kinks out of the gimmick. But definitely towards the end of the dashing run, he, he definitely, he started hitting it on all cylinders. I I got it. I got to admit, 
the dashing gimmick picked up towards the end. Um, Jay feels that heel Cody was bland. See, this is this is one of the things I like about talking wrestling with you guys that the opinions are so split and so you know they're 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 so. I don't even want to say diverse, but de- definitely just so different. Like I like there's some of you guys that you're like, yo, he sucked as a face, he sucked as a heel. And, and me personally, like I said, I liked the end of dashing and the and the beginning of the mass Cody Rhodes gimmick. And like I said, with Goldust, he's just learning. He's becoming a better performer. Cody Rhodes is probably going to be one of those guys that within the next two years, he's going to be a main eventer and he's going to be one of those guys that you're going to get behind. You know, he's going to be the guy that you're going to be able to cheer because he's going to, he's learning so much from his brother. And I'm sure his old man sits him down and tells him, you know, Cody, you got to go out there, Cody, and you got to, you got to be one with the people. You got to be a commoner, Cody. You know, like I'm sure that he's that that the dream sits him down and, and walks him through all the shit that he should be doing to get over it. You know, I, I I like you know I like where where it's going with Cody, and I know that the match with him and Goldust is going to be an awesome payoff, an awesome payoff for sure. Well, we'll see what happens. But again, a fitting raw to close things out to get people hyped for the pay per view. I thought I thought it was good. Like the only thing that's bothered me as of late. And I want to see if you guys can agree. Have you guys noticed that the announcing for Raw has just taken a turn into fucking shitsville? I don't know if it's because of Lawler or just because of Michael Cole, but it just feels disjointed as fuck. I was watching and I'm like, yo, what the fuck are these guys talking about? Like, they would just go off on these random tangents and I'm like, yo, is Vince not yelling? Not yelling in their ear? Is Vince in the toilet? It just seems like they weren't they they weren't in the game, and it took away from a lot of the matches. I'm I, like I'm watching and I'm like, yo, what the fuck is happening with the commentary? What is happening? Yeah, JBL is on point, but I don't know if it's Cole. Like Cole just took a complete dump, or if it's because Lawler's just distracting Cole so much. But the commentary for the last two weeks of Raw has been shit. And I'm I'm glad I'm glad to see that you guys you guys definitely feel the same way. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? I was I was I was dumbfounded the way that that it went down. I'm like, really? This is this is the commentary that you guys are giving for these matches? I honestly thought that they were intentionally burying all of the matches. Because they were just it was terrible. It was terrible, the announced team. Terrible. I don't understand. What happened within the last three weeks that the announcing is just shit? I understand. I don't understand what has happened. It's just become complete shit. And, and you know, Jay says they're doing the same shit that Matt Stryker was getting shit for. Yep. And it's, yep, thank you, 7659. It's true, they only put over Cena. That's right. They only make Cena look good and the authority, because obviously, you know, they got to make the boss look good. But other than that, everybody else, it's just like, oh, yeah, here we go. He has him in a headlock. Oh, yeah, he went for his finisher. No, no excitement. No, you know, like one of the things I missed with Jim Ross was that Jim Ross got legitimately excited. I miss legitimate excitement. I miss it. 
I miss guys like Jim Ross, the late Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, you know, when I watched old wrestling tapes with, with Gordon Soley, Gordon Soley had excitement. Fuck, even Joey Styles. Yeah, people give Joey Styles a lot of shit because he oversold. But Joey Styles was, was phenomenal. He had genuine enthusiasm in there. Genuine enthusiasm. And it's true, Jim Ross told a story. Gordon Soley told a story. Seriously. But it's like, like you watch TNA Impact and Taz is using the WWE style of announcing. Taz is another one that's become complete shit. If you watch TNA Impact, you're like, yo, what happened? You know, every, like, Taz is more about, you know, say, getting yam bag out there than calling a match. Yeah, he got hit in the yam bag. And it's like, really? That's, that's the high point of this entire match. You know, I don't understand what happened. I, I like the announced teams on Impact and on Raw are just shit. They're shit. Like, how is Alex Riley a better commentator than Michael Cole? How the fuck is that? Seriously, like Alex Riley doing color commentary. I'm like, really? He's not half bad. Cole Caban is another dude. Awesome color guy. Hell, CM Punk on commentary is amazing. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know where it went, where it went wrong. I like William Regal doing commentary as well. William Regal definitely he he does he he does good commentary. He does. He does it very well. He sells it very well. He tells a good story. And you know, the English accent kind of puts it over the top, but you know, it's, it's commentary's just shit. Anyway, let's get out of Raw and get into some of the uh, wrestling news for this week. Um, I want to talk about TNA first and foremost and their brand new focus on signing independent talent. They're trying to sign Roderick Strong, and there were rumors they wanted to sign uh, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards. But if you saw NXT this week, you will know that that is not the case. Uh, Richards and Edwards are actually uh, actually showed up on NXT as the American Pitbulls. Shout out to Alex Reyes for um, hooking me up with that information earlier this evening because I didn't get to watch NXT. But yeah, the American the American Pitbulls came out there and listen. Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards. A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, WWE doesn't need. Any more independent wrestlers, they got enough talent, blah, blah, blah. No. Let me explain something to those of you that are, you know, we talked about Zufa zombies in the MMA segment. I want to talk about WWE zombies. WWE zombies are people that can't look beyond the WWE product. That they don't understand that there's organizations like Chikara, uh, you know, TNA, um, Ring of Honor, just tons of other promotions full of talent, talent in Japan, talent that are that are ripe for mainstream exposure. And the thing that irks me is the fact that they don't, you know, these 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 WWE zombies, they don't understand that there's more to wrestling than just gimmicks and bra and panty matches. There's the, the whole science of wrestling is exactly that wrestling. These guys that come out of Ring of Honor 
all of them, they know the science of wrestling. Sure, a guy like Seth Rollins, he needs a little polish on the mic, but his wrestling, top-notch. CM Punk's wrestling, top-notch. Daniel Bryan's, top-notch. And the list goes on of guys that can go in there and do what they got to do. And as much as, as WWE hates to admit it, they need these guys. These guys make their guys better. Look at Daniel Bryan. The last couple of matches he had with Ryback, Antonio Cesaro, thank you. You know, look at the matches that Daniel Bryan had with, with Ryback, where Ryback actually looked good. Think about that. Think about the matches that Ryback had with Daniel Bryan on SmackDown that actually looked good. And this is what kills me with the WWE zombies, that they don't look beyond that. They don't look beyond the fact that these independent guys are good for the product. They are. Everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, this guy, that guy, they're too small, or, or you know, they're not good on the microphone. But these are things you can teach. You can teach mic work. You can teach that. You can teach gimmick. You can't teach wrestling to guys who aren't good. Guys who aren't good can only learn from guys that are better than them. It's, it's, it's the old adage of, of steel sharpening steel. Simple as that. Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards can go in there and help guys like the Usos and help guys like the Wyatt family and help guys like the Shield. It, hell, help guys like the Ascension who they just wrestled. People don't understand the value of independent wrestling. They don't understand the value of the fact that these guys are crucial to the business. They don't respect it. You need those guys. Listen, you could crank out the John Cena's, the Rocks, the, 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 the Stone Cold Steve Austin's, but guess what? These guys are lightning in a bottle. They happen once in a while. You know, a series of events comes together to make these guys legends, superstars, you know, the, the faces of the company. Sure, you can say, you know, that Stone Cold Steve Austin was a WWE product, but Stone Cold Steve Austin wouldn't exist without ECW, period. And people don't see that. People only think of, and I'm not talking about all wrestling fans, I'm talking about the ones that don't look beyond those three letters, that don't look beyond WWE. There's more out there. Seriously. You know? There's more out there. And that's what people, they fail to realize. That's why when 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 you go to like, um, I'm going to shout out 411wrestling.com, and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards are coming to WWE. You see guys, oh, they're going to bring those two little fucking guys in. Those guys are garbage. Or what are those guys going to bring to the product? And it's like, those guys are going to bring to the product what is necessary. And you know what that is? Wrestling. That's what people fail to see. Again, it's not so much gimmicks. Gimmicks can come and go. Wrestling is what you watch. Anybody can go out there and have a bra and panty match or a steel cage match and bleed on camera. But the guys that come in from the independents bring in a work ethic that, that just 
they're constantly proving themselves. And that's what's missing. Everybody goes, everybody goes, yeah, but you know, WWE's bringing up a lot of good guys. Yeah, they are. But it's just because they have a good crop of guys now. Let's talk about WWE two years ago when it was just CM Punk. You know, CM Punk came in and started adding legitimacy. He started being the guy that they were like, oh shit, you know, here's an indie guy that has stepped up his game mic-wise and is is a face of a company. You know, and, and that's what kills me. Like, the, the WWE zombies don't can't look past the fact that the independents are a necessity. You need that. You need the independents. You need them. Simple as that. And, and Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards, whether they're on NXT or they get the call up to the main card, the fact is that they have more to bring to the WWE than the WWE can offer them. WWE can offer them exposure, but they're offering WWE something else. And you know what that is? Good wrestling. Good work ethic. Who doesn't want good wrestling on television? Seriously, I, I, I'm going to pose this question to you guys, and I'm curious to what you're going to say. Do you, if you had the choice between good skits and good and good and good television pref, uh, good television pref, uh, presence versus wrestling, which would you rather, great wrestling or great presentation? I'm sure that almost all of you are going to say good wrestling. Seriously, listen. I watch Ring of Honor. I watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. I watch Chikara. I watch uh, CZW. All of these companies have their own niches, but at the end of the day, what makes people talk about them is wrestling. Seriously. That's it. And yeah, you could come out with, you know, hood wrestling, um, ICP wrestling, uh, clown mask wrestling, puppy wrestling, uh, crippled wrestling, legless wrestling. But at the end of the day, the word says it all. Wrestling. I can create an entire wrestling promotion full of guys that have no legs and make them have great promos and great video. And great presentation. But you're still going to tune in for the key word. Wrestling. Seriously. That's how it goes. And it frustrates me that people people are out there like, Yeah man, these Ring of Honor guys, they're going to come in and they're stealing the spot from, from WWE guys. Really? What WWE guys are they stealing a spot from? Zack Ryder? The, the, you know, the uh, Davy Richards and Eddie Edwards are stealing a spot from Zack Ryder, JTG. Really? That's what I'm saying. Like, like people get all mad and shit, but it's like the indie guys are stealing spots, stealing spots from who guys that aren't used guys that are underutilized guys that are shit on. Seriously. If Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards mean that I had to get rid of JTG and Zack Ryder, who I like, I like Zack Ryder, I'd get rid of them. Peace the fuck out. Bye. If I had to trade, you know, JTG, Zack Ryder, and, I don't know, Jinder Mahal for 
Eddie Edwards, Davey Richards, and say Roderick Strong, I would. Bye. Get the fuck out. Simple as that. <laughs> that, that, that. I kid you not. I kid you not. Anyway, let's get into some of the other uh, wrestling news. Um, of course, the one of the big news stories this past week was AJ Lee uh, passing out in the ring due to dehydration. She fainted. And it was, um, you know, it was crazy because you're looking at, and and here's the thing, like TMZ was talking about it and, you know, she collapsed and she's being monitored. But the thing that gets me is that the, the divas, they have a, uh, and people may not notice this, but you know, if, if you follow Natalia on Instagram, you may have noticed that Natalia's lost a lot of weight. It's crazy. Like, I was looking at him like, wow, is that the same chick? And it's because in looking at that and you see a lot of these divas, you notice that they are that they have to look a certain way for TV. And it, it, it it's harder. It's harder for women to lose weight. It's harder for women to maintain, it's, you know, maintain their bodies because, you know, it, it, genetics. And I'm sure there's massive supplementation, uh, you know, water, water pills, all kinds of shit. And I'm shocked. I'm shocked that this happened and that it, um, yeah, too much stacker three. Thank you, Val. Uh, it's true. It, it, it was just crazy because it's been a while since something happened with the divas. And I really wanted to kind of touch on that a little bit because yeah, sure. The wrestlers, they go out there and they have to look a certain way. Uh, you know, Chris hero is a great example of that, but the, the the divas are held to a higher standard because there's an expectation, you know, the, the women are expected to look like, you know, Barbie dolls to look, you know, super, uh, soup, not super, um, like the ideal woman, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta pretty much be, you know, the hourglass, which I, I gotta give TNA credit. TNA's, uh, roster of knockouts is, is vast and they're, they're all different. You know, you got your 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 bigger, thicker girls like like ODB, and then you have your you know you got your your thinner girls like Gail Kim, but then you got you know like your meatier girls. It, it, you know, there's 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 such a, a a contrast and a difference in, in bodies that it allows them to look different. Now, if you look at WWE, they're all yeah, you know, blondes, brunettes, whatever, but they all have to look. That that swimsuit issue cover model uh, body type. The only one that's kind of been yeah is Tamina, and I'm I feel that that's going to be short lived. It once you know they're they're going to make Tamina. I think they're going to put tell Tamina, hey, listen, you can't come in here looking like uh, you know the, the a jungle girl. You got to come in here looking like like a like a model. And I have a feeling that she too will go under the uh, quote unquote you know. WWE diet regimen, but seriously, if if you get a chance, look at um, Natalia's Instagram, and you'll see what I'm talking about. That I'm like, wow, is that the same chick? Like, like Natalia's always been like not not a thicker girl, but she's been like a girl you look at and you're like, hey, you know, she's in she's in shape, she's athletic looking, she looks strong. Now it's like, yo, we want you to look, you know, the hourglass. Which whatever it's it's fine, but I I feel that we're this isn't going to be the first instance of of health problems for these chicks because they're they're cutting corners. 
they're going to cut corners, whether it's, you know, um, taking fat burners or, you know, using using any sort of unregulated fat burners, which they may or may not be testing for. Come on. It's uh, it's it's. It's something that, like with AJ's case, everybody's like, yeah, it's dehydration, but why? A lot of of the guys in the chat are like, yo, isn't AJ like 90 pounds? It's true. But, you know, it's funny that that Mortis, you bring up Caitlyn. Mortis says, we haven't seen Caitlyn on TV in a while. She's a little thicker, but looks the healthiest and most in shape out of all of them. You know what's funny about Caitlyn? If if she did a, uh, she was part of an autograph signing here in New York City. Uh, I believe it was last month and Caitlyn looks like she had work done on her face. If you look at her face, you'll see that her face looks different. Not to say that that's something that, that she wanted to do on her own or if it was something that she was kind of nudged to do, but Caitlyn's face looks different. You know, another, another chick who looked completely different towards the end of her run, Eve Torres. Eve Torres looked like a completely different girl by the time her run was finished. There's very few, you know, there's very few girls that maintain their, that that not only maintain their appearance, but don't, that aren't altered by the company. Uh, Beth Phoenix was a great example. Beth Phoenix looked the same pretty much her entire career. Yeah, she lost a little weight because, you know, from what I heard, they felt she was too muscular, which is, which is weird. But, um, you know, you could tell that Beth Phoenix went from, you know, jacked up chick to, you know, fitness model. There's a, they actually did, if I remember correctly, they did a, a, a photo shoot for, I believe it was muscle and fitness and Beth Phoenix looked like a completely different girl in that photo shoot. And I think that that's something that's, that's happened. That's going to happen with Caitlyn and to a degree has happened with Natalia where they're like. Yeah, you know, we don't want her we don't want you guys to look too too muscular, which is, you know, it's stupid that you want to make them all look the same. But seriously, look do yourselves a favor, look at Eve Torres and even Caitlyn to a degree. Caitlyn definitely has had some work done. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh I did want to talk about the um the press release that WWE sent out. And um, you guys are going to be not shocked by this, but uh, WWE's press release was about WrestleMania, and they said that WrestleMania generated more than $100 million for New York and New Jersey. According to the press release, which I'll share with you guys, uh, WWE and New Jersey Governor Chris Christie announced that WrestleMania 29 generated $101.2 million in economic impact for New Jersey and and the New York region this past April. Um, According to the study, this marks the second consecutive year that WrestleMania generated more than $100 million in economic impact for its host city. The uh, press release went on to say, over the past six years, WrestleMania has generated more than $400 million in cumulative economic impact for the cities that have hosted the event. WrestleMania also generated $16.5 million in local, state, and county taxes. Now, the reason I'm sharing that with you guys is because this gives WWE a lot of leverage with regards to where they can go and host WrestleMania because they can walk in and say, listen, for New York and New Jersey, we made $100 million for that city. 
Not only that, but they put out some other statistics which I wanted to share. 54% of the fans that attended WrestleMania were from outside New York and New Jersey and stayed an average of four nights in both host cities. Also, WrestleMania created 943 full-time jobs for the area. Not to mention, lastly, and here's a statistic that when it comes to small businesses needs to be addressed, $5.2 million was spent by non-locals at New Jersey and New York restaurants during WrestleMania 29. This is, these, these statistics are huge because it really does give WWE a huge, huge bargaining chip whenever they approach these various cities or when these cities approach them to host WrestleMania. Not only is there a creation of jobs, but there is a huge economic impact. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I shared an article on the fan page about about MMA being legalized in New York. And one of our listeners uh, was like, yeah, you know, but the the money that's going to be generated by MMA is only going to line the pockets of politicians. And I wanted to share these statistics with WrestleMania because there's money there. You know, there's money in these events taking place in these host cities. Strider, um, who's act- who actually lives in, in New Orleans, says, uh, I'm bringing it up because New Orleans needs the money. It's true, though, but think about it. If New, or- New Orleans is going to host WrestleMania, it's going to be taking place at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome April 6th, and um, it's going to be viewed in more than 100 countries and obviously broadcast on pay-per-view, but if there's a, a, a an area that can benefit from WrestleMania, it's New Orleans. I think that with their... With, you know, obviously the the impact that they had to deal with and the recovery efforts that are still ongoing down there, small businesses in New Orleans can definitely benefit from mania being there. It's it's huge. It is definitely huge. Uh, Val says that Detroit needs it. It's true. Detroit, the, the Motor City definitely could benefit from it. Think about it. You made 943 full-time jobs. 54% of the fans that attended were from outside New York and New Jersey. This is something that's good for tourism. This is something that's good for small businesses. And I think that same thing with MMA is the same thing with WrestleMania. Wherever these events are, they benefit the community. They benefit the overall economy. People look at it as just, oh, I'm going to go to this city for WrestleMania. But there's 